Welcome to another episode of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we analyze the Star Trek universe from a non-Trekky perspective. Today we're going to be tackling Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Regular listeners may remember last year we did an episode-by-episode episode breakdown of Season 1 Mr. with Sean, Sean McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah. Indeed, he joined us to break it down. This year we're joined by Empire's very own James Dyer. How are you doing, sir? I'm very good, thank you. Kaplach. Excellent. <laughs> How you? You're already confusing us with your tracky knowledge. Uh, I'm also joined by my regular co-host, Matt. Hello, how is everyone? Uh, we're not joined by Paul today, unfortunately. As as regular listeners will know, Paul is having a baby. So, Personally. unfortunately, it's just one of those things where sometimes he can be here, sometimes he can't. Yeah, it's getting pretty close to crunch time for him, isn't it? So it's a very exciting time for all of us when it comes to arranging anything. Yeah, so exactly. He's had a last, exactly. like personal blowout of friends uh, coming around and now it's just Look, alert. life finds a way all right okay <laughs> um we are gonna break it down episode by episode just like we did for season one um but first things first james what we usually do with our guests is we talk star trek credentials what we mean by this is what of star trek have you seen how big a fan are you what was your first experience with star trek wow um what have I seen in Star Trek? I've seen most everything. I've never seen the animated series because oh. who's got that kind of time? Yeah, but uh, I think I've we seen made time for this much. podcast, James. <laughs> Fair play to you. Uh, I've seen everything else. Um, when you say everything, you mean everything, like every episode of everything. Yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. I've oh, never fantastic. missed. I'm a completionist. I okay. don't. I don't miss episodes of stuff. I I will confess, as saying I don't have an enduring love for the original series. Ah, interesting. Now, that will have been the first Star Trek I ever saw uh-huh. when I was a kid, but it never really was something that I tapped in. Like Next Generation was what got me into Star Trek. Uh, I remember I rented from, uh, it wasn't even called Blockbuster Video, it was like, uh, I had a video store where I used to live, and it was called The Video Store, then that got taken over by Ritz, and that got taken over by Blockbuster, but when it first opened as <laughs> The Video Store, one of the first things I hired was a VHS tape, which was Encounter in Farpoint, Encounter at Farpoint, parts one and two, and I was like, ooh, Star Trek, the next generator, sounds very exciting, and uh, I think that was it. And then uh, I used to watch the episodes when I used to come back from school, I used to be obsessed with the next gen stuff. Were you um, BBC Two six forty five after the Simpsons? Weirdly, era? no. Like I, I've seen some of that. I was, I was when Sky One were doing it daily. Right, they used to do it okay. daily at about six or something like that. So I would come back from from school every day and watch Next Gen, like an episode of Next Gen every day after school. Uh, and then when Deep Space Nine started, I lost my fucking shit. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's a new Star Trek. Uh, absolutely love DS Nine, and uh, I, I love Voyager as well. Uh, yeah, I got into all that stuff. I mean, Enterprise is less said about the better, but you know, I quite enjoy it for, <laughs> for what it is. Uh, yeah, I love. All, I mean, Deep Space Nine is unarguably the best. Okay, I, I mean, I, I'm leaning that way. You know. I'm uh, From what I've no discussion. There's no <laughs> well, discussion. This is the thing. We at this point, <laughs> I don't feel we've seen enough to no. make a final decision. Like you know, because we the whole point of this podcast is we were coming from an outsider kind of view <laughs> where, I mean, you had seen fucking nothing. Yeah, no. Like, in terms of you'd seen JJ, yeah. and that was yeah. it. And Ruffle like, Khan. Like, yeah, and Ruffle yeah. Khan, yeah, 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 yeah. You barely remember that. <laughs> like, you know, and then we gradually started going into it. And so now we've all watched quite a lot of the TV uh, stuff, but we're still kind of working our way through. Yeah. But DS9 is certainly kind of, you know, we've certainly seen some really strong episodes. And we always reference Duet. Duet 
and yeah. we interviewed the director of that. So like that was a really kind of special one. And um, but funny enough, I think we're all big fans of the original series, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, 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 we've just done an episode, another episode in the original series. Um, we're doing this thing at the moment where we kind of basically now we've actually watched a load ourselves in a very short time. We're taking episodes and introducing them to a whole newbie kind of thing who's never seen any kind of thing. So we'll try keep on because obviously we've been in the show for just over two years now and we're kind of trying to keep the concept of the non-trackiness so introduce it to new people as well um because we've just done the original series episode it means that's the one i've been watching a lot more so i've now seen the most uh, original series got to do a bunch of animated next so there's the pain (laughs) yeah crawling close to the deeps of mind and so when we first tackled deep space nine and all these series we were like introduced to the pilot and one episode chosen by tracky guest and around that time, I kind of just did about maybe five or six of each of the series, and all the DS9 ones really blew me away. So I am excited to get back around to tackling more of, like, I've got a big list of ones. I'm kind of jumping around, so... It's always about sticking through. Like, with Next Gen, it's like, stick it out until you get to the Borg, do you know what I mean? And then mm. with DS9, stick it out until Cisco gets a beard and shaves his head, yes. and they theme tune up tempos, and Worf appears, you know, and then it kind of kicks up a notch. And and with Voyager, again, it's like once Seven of Nine turns up, again, it, you get momentum. So they all start quite slowly. And I think this is the problem a lot of people have when they try and get into Trek, is that every single series of Trek, Discovery Aside, is total shit when it starts. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it takes ages to get going. Like, I rewatched part of Encounter Farpoint last weekend. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck is this? Like, it's just dreadful. Like, properly terrible. And it hasn't aged at all well. And uh, so so my rewatch of Next Gen is, is getting off to a bad start. But I'm hoping, like, you know, because I rewatched Voyager, I think, uh, two years ago. And I want to rewatch Next Gen, at least a chunk of it before Picard comes. Uh, yeah. And then I want to do some, some. I want to redo Deep Space Nine as well. I don't know why I haven't. It's the best one. I don't know why I haven't done it first. But so I guess you can't touch animated series because the completionist in you, once you watch one, you have to do them all. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just, I just, no, <laughs> life's too short. I'm not doing yeah. it. I refuse to watch to it. To be fair, I would say once you watch one animated series episode, you have fucking seen it all. Because they reuse the animation <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the way yeah. through. Absolutely. Um, funny enough, talking about Discovery Season 1, when mm. we covered Discovery Season 1 last year, we were very much of the opinion that this is the best first season of a Star Trek yeah. show. Kind of thing. Would you it's agree with that? It's a very low bar to clear. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but then it's a different thing. A, we're in a different era of yeah. television and we're in a different galaxy of budgets of what mm. they've been doing. Mm. But also, if you look at like season one of Star Trek Discovery of like what it was, like that double bill, the, the Vulcan Hello and Battle of the yeah. Binary Stars, that was not a pilot of Star Trek. No, that no, was yeah. a trailer for CBS All Access. It was basically, <laughs> we're going to sit out CBS and we're going to make you something, we're going to make this so amazing, we're going to put so much money into it that you will all sign up for our streaming service. And basically that's what happened. Uh, so it was really just a trail for that because you had that pilot and then you had almost like another pilot. Yeah. It was, yeah. Like, well, it's not even a pilot for Discovery, is it? Yeah, yeah it's okay. like a their, on their cage pilot mm. where it's like, here's almost like a previous captain. Yeah, exactly. But yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, and it was a movie. So. Like it was a Star Trek movie. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, really yeah, yeah. anything else than that. And the production values were off the chain. Uh, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to think if any of the old shows were on now, the kind of speed we like just devour yes. stuff, no one would sit through. No. Or, or, you can't judge them by no. today's standards, can no. you? Going like, yeah, it's, but it's, it's just weird not how right. big that era was because I guess from next gen to enterprise, you could maybe to Voyager, you could say they kind of look cut from the same cloth. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure how different so. enterprise gets, but it's of that same sort of era, and that's a good like 13, 14 year period. And it now is. it's 
It was era. the Berman era, isn't it? Basically? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fun. Like, Voyager always irritates me, not because it's bad and I actually have a lot of affection for mm. it, but they didn't learn their lessons. Like, like Deep Space Nine made substantive format improvements over Next Generation. It was a better show. And then with Voyager, it felt like they unlearned everything they'd learned <laughs> and kind of started making the same mistakes again. And Voyager was a bit all over the place. Uh, and again, it's fun, and, and I'll always have affection for it, just because it's like it's my warm and fuzzy place. Yeah. But it's it's a very it's a very flawed show. Voyager is yeah. the episode where they turn into newts in particular. I think is oh yeah, that's like a, what well, we did. We, yeah. we, we yeah. did an episode on what I've considered like the worst episodes of all <laughs> yeah. time, and that episode was What's in there for Voyager. Spock's brain, what else? Is in uh, there? Yeah, Christ. we did no first original series. We did, and the children shall lead, oh, God. which is fucking god awful, but. Before we get in season two, so I get the impression you are a Discovery fan going into yeah, season yeah, love, two. You're one over. Oh, yeah, okay, love, cool. Love well, did it, did it take a much to win you over? Was it from? Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, it? literally, I was just like a new Star Trek show. I mean, Sight Unseen, I am on board. Yeah, right. right okay. I fucking love this stuff. It's been too long. I've missed it. I really enjoyed uh, JJ's films. They were great. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love a bit of Trek, but I, a series is where it's at. Like, I'm mm. a big, big fan of long form entertainment rather than. You know, like I need my check yeah. stretched out over many, many hours. And this feels like it's having the best of both worlds, where it seems to be reinventing itself yeah. every series, the revolving cast, revolving focus, and bringing in more of the serial elements from a bunch of uh, sort of modern shows rather than individual stuff. But it's it's dipping in and out with this season, especially. Mm. I think I will say. I prefer season one of Discovery to season two. Oh, oh fucking uh, hell. Spoiler armor. Yeah, I, I, did, I did prefer the first season to this. I think partly I love Klingons. Big fan of okay. Klingons. I particularly love their iteration of the Klingons. I loved the mm. fact that they just they went, you know what? Fuck it. We're not going to make accommodations for anyone. We're going to go hardcore. We're going to do this in Klingon with subtitles. We're going to use a fucking Klingon font. Do you know, we are going full bore into this stuff. And I really, really appreciated that. And I loved what they did with them. I like the aesthetic of the ships, all the Takovma stuff. I thought the uh, the Voke like, line mm. was genius. Throwing the Mirror Universe in there was incredible. You know, there were so many amazing things in this. And I felt like two is good and it works and it's been planned out very well. But it don't it didn't engage with me the same way that the first one did. I do think that um I'm a big fan of Anson Mount. Um yeah. I loved Helen Wheels and um Although the first time I met Anson Mount, it was when he was doing Crossroads with Britney Spears. But that's about that. About. <laughs> but um, but you're really like his Pike. I thought, yeah, you know, was he better than Lorca? I don't. He might have been. I mean, he's definitely on a par. So charismatic, so yeah. likable, and you didn't miss Jason Isaacs, which is actually a significant it's a big, thing to say. Big deal because yeah. Isaacs was genuinely amazing. He was um, yeah. in the first season. I mean, I would say obviously he's a very different character I think. Mm. Before, deliberately so yeah, yeah exactly yeah. before we get into it we should say you are a fan of long form tv because of course <laughs> you're one of the hosts of the pilot tv podcast Indeed. and you also work on the magazine itself do you want to tell us a bit about that before we get uh, into it yes yes well we have the uh, pilot tv magazine is given away quarterly with empire magazine it's essentially empire for television uh, and the pilot tv podcast goes out every monday in which we deal with all the new shows many of the old shows and generally just bang on about tv for an extended period of time did it come about where it's a time where there's so many new shows happening you could do a essentially a pilot show every week and be talking about just, new shows I'm, the pilot tv <laughs> podcast requires the watching of more tv than any sane human <laughs> can really object it, to it's fucking ridiculous to. and th that's the thing you like now in this day and age i don't think you can't even get around it can you because yeah. the fact is like i do um reviews like tv reviews for the bbc and like literally when i'm doing that selecting the stuff to talk about my long list is always huge 
because now just the amount of content is mm. just insane. You're going to end up missing stuff. Well, I remember you getting very angry about missing Bosch. I was oh, no. very <laughs> upset that one of the Bosch they didn't review Bosch. I love Bosch. It's great. Uh, yeah. But we're not here to talk about Bosch. <laughs> no, we're here to talk about not. Star Trek Discovery Season 2. And we are going to start at the beginning with Brother, yes. which was the Season 2 premiere. It now, was. personally, I thought this was quite a stonker of a premiere, what did you guys think? Uh, yeah, we reviewed this on Pilot, obviously, because uh, it was the the first episode, and I made Terry and Boyd watch it. <laughs> Terry's it was Terry's first ever experience of Star Trek, and she was oh. a bit like, "Is it all like this?" I was like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 don't no, fall over really watching any." But it was, but again, it like it felt really high production. It wasn't Vulcan Hello levels, but it was very high production values. Like that uh, set piece that they when they go down to the to, to the yes, crash ship. Yeah, the, the, the asteroid cluster. Yeah, like, yeah. That would have been an entire season's budget of like next mm. generation just blown there. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's in, an incredibly sort of like emotional, sort of incredibly sort of like adrenal experience. It feels um, movie level, doesn't it? It like, does, yeah, yeah. Visually, yeah. I mean, I would say all through this season when you're watching it, the space battles and everything mm. like that, there isn't, I wouldn't say there's a massive difference with like the JJ films yeah. in terms of production especially value the, or what you can see on especially screen. Especially the Into Darkness similar set piece where they're flying yes. towards the ships. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this was straight away, I think, very much trying to put an all out action kind of first episode there to kind mm -hmm. of sell it. And I, I think it's kind of a realigning of mission statements, isn't it? This first episode, like the introduction of Pike. Yeah undoubtedly feels like fan service. I would say there's a lot of fan service in this second season. Kind of, you know, I, I think <laughs> it, it's that thing where it's, it's difficult because Discovery, I would say, is such an unformed show in terms of, I feel like we've only just got to what Discovery will actually be as a show, yes. like for season three. It's like where you go, like, Yeah, yeah, where you go like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, this is Absolutely. what it's going to be. We're actually going to the future now. That makes sense. Whereas, so this is like a two-season prologue. So it's hard to tell whether it is actually fan service in terms of they've gone like, oh, God, you know, some fans were pissed off about season one, so now we've got to give them this. Or if it's just all part mm. of their mad plan. Well, I think we did say, didn't we, that we feared before we saw any of it that season two would be... Would would make it all about Pike. It would become the Pike show, and it would always yes. be like, yeah, oh, this yeah, is yeah, now yeah, yeah. just a new Enterprise show with Discovery crew hanging mm. about. But he very quickly gets in Discovery uniform. He's on their ship, and it's yeah, still yeah, yeah. Show. I don't, I don't think that happened at all. I mean, no. I, I agree with uh, UJ's that Anson Mount uh, makes a kind of stunning debut in this. I think he just makes such an impression straight away. Like I hadn't seen Hell on Wheels, so I hadn't really had much experience of him as an actor outside of Crossroads, of course. Um, <laughs> you have seen Crossroads. But yeah, I've, oh, I've seen Crossroads. <laughs> like, hey, like Star Trek alumni, that's got Zoe Saldana in it as well. Like, okay. uh, but um, yeah, I, I think straight away he's he's just so charismatic, exudes decency. Straight away, you're like, oh right, this is a good guy kind mm -hmm. of thing. Like you know, and I think he has remnants of the pike we've seen in the cage so he feels enough like him but also different mm -hmm. kind of thing to work properly um and i yeah i think having the big asteroid cluster action sequence in the middle just basically gave us big widescreen movie action straight away 
And yeah, I thought this was really impressive. He's like a nice, strong, warm hug of a captain. Like, I would follow him anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> from, exactly from it. episode one. That's exactly it. Um, we also meet Jet Reno in this episode, played by Tig Notaro, who's a stand-up comedian. Mm. I think this is a really canny casting choice in her. I think she's really, again, really cool and interesting. Feels feels like something really different. It feels like left field kind of thing in her casting. She she had the whiff of Reg Barkley around her. Remember Reg Barkley? No? Reg, you know, Reg. <laughs> That's the odd knowledge. Sorry. Anyway, but she's a, she's a slightly oddball technical character. And what I found interesting about that is she's an oddball technical character. And obviously Tilly also has that. And I wondered how... Ooh, are we really adding more into this mix? But it worked really well. I liked yes. her as a character. I enjoyed her. A lot of people don't like Tilly, which I find quite surprising. I love Tilly. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think she's they're they're dicks. I'm just putting um, it out there. Like people, like, I mean, the thing is, let let's be honest. Like straight away, I mean, we discussed this when we dissected season one. There are a lot of toxic fans of something like Star Trek. And, you know, I actually read out, didn't I, like a review by someone (laughs) on the thing. It was just these fucking nutters, like just racist, sexist, like, you know, just coming, just going, right, okay, well, therefore, because you've got strong women characters, don't like them. I I read some horrific stuff on message boards about, like, kind of commenting on the actress who plays Tilly's weight and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm like, fuck's going on mate like yeah it's just she's great she's really like adorable isn't she she's really funny and kind of and i think with tig nataro's character i think she's a lot more confident than tilly mm-hmm. so yeah, kind of like bats and she's kind of like got that rough around the edges kind of filter i kind of feel like we didn't see enough of her over the season really because yeah she pops up every now and again yeah, she's yeah. only used so. yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But she is a good foil for like stamets and colber and those guys yes because she's able to just cut through their like everything we're not saying just yeah. like hey you say this you yeah say yeah this. yeah she cuts through the bullshit don't she yeah. very much uh, the opening of this season gave michael her own sort of captain's log voiceover she actually starts to space the final frontier and everything like that. i thought it was cool it was kind of asserting her very much like like you say it was kind of almost straight away saying this isn't going to turn into a bike show mm. she is still the main character um with this and you know very much going we have the first ever star trek show where the captain is not the main character yeah. it's michael who may one day become captain maybe i kind of feel presumably that's where the show's yeah. gonna end up and the idea that the captain character every season could potentially be someone completely different yeah 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 yeah, yeah and michael's yeah. the uh the anchor point i like that idea as well the idea of a revolving captain's mm. chair with every season kind of thing you I know i think that that they, that ship has sailed at this point <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah well yeah that's the thing if you're going fast years in the future where <laughs> presumably starfleet are no longer about maybe yeah. it's gonna become harder so maybe saru will well, slide season in three's gonna start with saru being like i'll oh, just sit down and then like they just fly into someone like Thor just on the windscreen. Yeah, like, yeah, get him yeah, here. He's yeah, like yeah. the one stealthy guy left. Yeah, immediately takes I'll over. Captain. They'll find Frasier for going around. Like... <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I thought this was a really yeah. strong kind of episode. They kind of make it clear that the Enterprise has missed out on the Klingon War. They've been off on one of their five-year mm. missions. I think so. It was an interesting way of getting rid of them because. I think the whole thing is, and you'll probably be able to confirm this, James, like the whole Klingon War stuff, everything we saw in Discovery Season 1, I kind of feel like is stuff that hasn't been mentioned before in terms of story. Yeah, it's, well, th- this is the problem that this series has had since the get-go, isn't it? That you're, you're in a situation... It's exactly the same problem that Abrams' film 
had before we actually saw it is that when you're playing within canon, yeah. you're massively restricted in how creative you can be as storytellers and everything you do. Because the fandom that Star Trek has, like people have spreadsheets, there are mm. diagrams, there are mm. flowcharts. You cannot fuck about with the with the continuity. And obviously Abrams did that in a genius way by splitting off the yeah. timeline. And I thought that was absolutely inspired, allowed him to play within that space, but actually do his own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Without erasing the past. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas with this one, like they, I think they genuinely struggle with it. I do wonder whether the end of this season is a response to that, that like, they're finding like creatively this is becoming more and more tricky and people are going, well, no one's ever mentioned that Spock has a sister. And then we, well, we'll get onto it. They, they deal with that very, very well in the final mm. episode. Mm. And finally now we have a situation where they are, Completely unrestrained. They can do what they want. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah, that's got to be a relief for Kurtzman. It's like, it's like I wonder if they thought, oh, if people assume we keep going, eventually we're going to be having Kurt guest starring and other hmm. people. So now they can just yeah. kind of be done with all that. Yeah, and now they so. can go their own yeah. way. I think we also introduced the concept of the Red Angel, which is going to be the big story arc for the season. Yes, indeed. Um, this feels, again, like something very different from season one, which basically... I wouldn't say had a real season art apart from the Klingon war sort of thing, but they kind of went back in and out mm. of that. It kind of divided itself almost into like four episode story arcs yeah. and got blasted yeah. through tons of plot that could have made about seven seasons. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like I mean, the fact that, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact that they, we find out Captain Lorca is Mirror Lorca and by the end of the next episode, he's fucking dead. Yeah, like, yeah, you're like, oh my God, you dealt with that in one episode. Yeah. Like, literally. No mess um, But yeah, no, I thought yeah. this was a really good introduction. I think my favourite sort of fan service here moment in it is the uh, when during the asteroid set piece when you think oh the red shirt's gonna oh, die yeah, and it's the yeah, like yeah, shitty yeah. science officer yeah. instead that was a good That's, switcher yeah, and I, yeah. I thought the bait and switch that. and that character sticks around for like the whole season as well doesn't she in and out who's that uh, the one who doesn't die. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was cool. I liked yeah. her. I think, like, uh, yeah, and we get Head some... security now. Yeah, exactly. And we get some flashbacks to uh, Spock being a little boy and mm -hmm. his relationship with Michael. He's been a right little prick as a little kid. <laughs> this is kind of very much the era of, I think he requires physical stimuli. <laughs> Spock that we saw getting bullied in the uh, JJ Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but we're going to find more about that later. Uh, so we move on to episode two, New Eden. Now, I thought this felt like a really old school like Star Trek Next Generation very or Voyager so. episode, hmm. I think. But this, this threw me because... The first one wasn't dissimilar to an old school one in mm. that then they the crash spaceship, asteroids, they deal with mm. it, they're done. And this one, again, it, this is so next gen. Or Voyager, in yeah. fact. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Find this completely far flung civilization. We come, there's a problem, we solve it, job done. Mm. And I, at this point, I thought, this is interesting. It feels like season two of Discovery is going old school Trek. And I had issues with this, not because it's bad, because I love old school Trek, but I was like, TV's moved on, you know, like, and this yes. is a streaming service, and like, we need to be, like, I yeah, really yeah. loved what they did with the first season arc. And at this point, I thought, oh, this. Like, I worried. I worried this one. Right. Little yeah. did I know that yeah. he was drawing out the diagram and he was going to connect all the mm. red dots mm. together, uh, which he did very, very well. But uh, yeah, this, this, as you said, this is classic, classic, mm. classic. So were you kind of, did you feel caught between two worlds in mm. terms of the old school fan in you was going, I love it, kind of thing, and the new yeah. school fan was going, oh, but, but what can't. if other people don't love it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, I found the cast storyline with Jacob played by Andrew Moody quite uh, emotional, 
for this this comes around to a problem I have with Discovery a lot. Feder the Federation act like real dicks a lot of the time. Like their whole gaslighting of Jacob, like, oh yeah, no, we're not from the future, mate. Like, don't worry about it, going kind of, like, you know. Like, he, but I've worked it out. Tell yeah, me. he clearly had worked it all out. Everything like that had gone like, yeah, you you are now. Like, ah, oh, no, mate. Like, yeah, I was so glad that Pike came back at the end. I, to actually, like, yeah. Yes and no. Like, he has a very cavalier attitude towards a fucking prime directive. Picard <laughs> would not have stood for that shit. He really wouldn't have. Picard done. would have been like, leave him yeah. and let him think he's insane. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, see, I, I think because did you watch the short tracks? Yes, I did. Okay, yes. like in the brightest star, obviously you get Michelle Yeoh's um, Philippa Giorgio coming down, taking Saru up, mm. and she's yeah. very yeah. They, they very much iterate the yeah. thing of like, Hello. oh look, we shouldn't <laughs> even be doing this, mate. Like, oh, and your fucking sister, she's staying here. Yeah. Like, I think, and again, I was just like, oh, what? the it's, prime directive, woman. Fine. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but I was like, if you're gonna take Saru, take your sister as well. Like, come on. Like, uh, yeah, it's just like you're breaking all the rules. Like. But yeah, I did think it was a really good episode. And again, I think warmed you to Pike straight away because mm -hmm. of the fact that, you know, he said, fuck you to the fried rat I <laughs> was nice to Jacob. Everything like that. I he's thought... got a lot of Kirk in him in that way. He's, uh, yes. and I think that's, that's one that he's got a lot of charisma, a lot of charm, and he's, he's a bit of a scoundrel. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's interesting the comparisons with Kirk, isn't it? I've seen a lot of people saying that. Um, in terms of, I think that's more, about the charisma, though, yeah. isn't it? In the sense but, of... Whereas Picard was a very by-the-book kind of person. Do you yes. know what I mean? He was a different yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of commander. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's um, true, true. I mean, people, I enjoyed Cisco for the same reason. That Cisco was, you know, he's very responsible. But ultimately, if he had to, he'd be like, do you know what? Fuck you, Starfleet. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I found I prefer that kind of attitude. Yeah, That's your attitude. <laughs> so, third episode... Or have you got something to say about New Year? Uh, yeah, no, I think I, I think when it came back, I deliberately left it for a bit until there was three or four. So I think I did oh, a bunch in a row. Okay. So this was quite nice to see. I, I think I could see the bigger picture a little better where I was like, oh, they are planting seeds for a series arc. But I do like that each episode's basically a standalone thing at this point. Uh, and yeah, with Pike, he's definitely got that kind of... I think with the Kirk uh, situation, it's like he's got that 60s sort of swagger and yeah, restrained yeah, yeah. charm where he's like definitely in charge, but he's got that glimmer in his eye and you know he can like switch like that. You so. can imagine him coming into Mad Men, couldn't you? Yes. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, um, and we should mention, directed by Two Take Frakes. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I mean, he's come back Riker to Discovery and kind of, yeah, uh, to be honest, all his episodes that he's directed, yeah, he's done a really stunning good. job. I mean, um, it's well known around here that First Contact I consider to be the best Star Trek film. It's a good choice. Um, I, for me, it's always. Uh, a toss up between that and Rutherford Khan. I think Rutherford Khan is technically a better film, but First Contact, because Next Gen is my, is my jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking love. That said, like, I also throw uh, Undiscovered Country into the mix. Yeah, like, Undiscovered Country, very yeah, good. That's my, that's yeah, my yeah, movie yeah, triple yeah. Right. Well, yes. we did our, we did a ranking of all the films and they all came up pretty high. Well, actually, I no, think it was. They were all top five, weren't they? Yeah, they were all top five, yeah. And, um, but First Contact is just so badass, isn't it? Mm. Like, yeah, and just, and Picard is Picard so. Picard Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. For Carla Beach, and no further. Exactly. Throws the rule book out the window. Right. Point of light. Episode Cling three. Oh, right. Okay. So you're happy. I was yeah. happy. With this one. Also, Shazad Latif looks 
fucking badass. Even though he's sporting a man bun. I mean, and that's yeah, never a good look. That. But the man bun and massive bushy beard. Like, he was rocking that look. Yeah, I really yeah, liked yeah. it. And what really bugs me about this is, like, when he abandons uh, the Klingons and he goes to Discovery, he goes to Section 31, you know, and he, he, and he, they change his wardrobe and he gets a haircut. I was like, that's a real shame. Like, <laughs> I think he should have rocked that look the whole way through and just, just run with it. Personally, I'm glad he ditched the man bun. Like, yeah, like I mean, <laughs> oh, he's, he's still got, a, he's still got a big <laughs> yeah, beard and really quite big hair. Yeah, but what I will say is what I think is slightly odd in terms of because we commented um, before that in season one, uh, Shazad Latif does such an amazing job because he's essentially playing something like four fucking characters yeah. at one point in terms of different variations. And this season, we have this episode, which is very much commenting on the kind of uh, the differences between him sharing mm-hmm. a body with Vok and everything like that. But after that, once he joins Section 31 and comes back onto Discovery, he pretty much reverts Dash Tyler, right? Does, like, yeah. yeah, in terms of like, it feels like they only bring back the Klingon stuff as kind of for plot points. Yeah, well, like, yeah, they're like, we need some Klingon quickly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I did think this was a good episode. I know that some people um, like this one, I think because the concentration on Klingon stuff, but I thought it was really interesting to play on that stuff, especially as um, one of the plot elements that's been slightly problematic is from the first season, they obviously had the storyline where he was essentially having PTSD mm. from flashbacks of what looked like him getting raped by Laurel. We later found out it was a bit more complicated because of the merging with Fock and everything like that. Um, which I thought was a bit of a shame because I was just like, I thought they personally handled the idea of PTSD from rape from a man's point of view extremely well and his performance was really, really good. And I was glad that they kept that here because in this, he is actually still suffering PTSD from it. You touch me. And that intimacy, to me, Tyler, feels like violation. It's very, they made very clear that it's kind of like, well, no, like to Vok, it was a romantic relationship. To me, he actually says, you touch me, um, and that feels, to me, like violation. Mm. Thing. To Vok, it was romance. To him, it was rape. Uh, I thought the fact that they made that really clear was really good. A forced third participant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a freaky idea. Yeah. It's a freaky idea. Um, but yeah, I thought all the Klingon politicking in this was pretty good. Kind of building up to a badass fight scene. Mm. as well it was really it was well good. done I'm not wild about the Klingon's hair like, oh, okay, I, got a bit okay. like I, I preferred them bald and it's not just because I appreciate that aesthetic I just generally I thought like, I thought it was a nice look for them I, I liked what they did with them and now they're, they're growing it out and also they had a line which I thought was quite clumsy they had a line in there about oh the Klingons are now growing their hair I'm like you <laughs> stop don't just, hang a lantern on no. it. Come on. But again, you see, th- these are things put in to placate the fans, aren't they? Who go, well, why do the Klingons look different? I mean, literally, we fucking discovered that in Enterprise, yeah. there's a two-parter yeah. explaining why the Klingons look different. They in spliced DNA into the humans. I was like, what, two- trying to explain yeah, it yeah. why they look the different. In season four, I was like, two fucking episodes <laughs> yeah. spent on banging on about why the Klingons look who 
gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, I think, like, you know, it's literally... People need to fill in the gaps in their spreadsheets. <laughs> I'm like, makeup has changed, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need to know. Go be, it's better now than it was then, so therefore they look different. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's always that tricky thing, isn't it, where you have sci-fi stuff made in 70s, 80s, so forth, and then it's comes to now and it's like obviously we're going to get stuff looking yeah, better yeah, of course and it's like the way yeah. the Enterprise it's like no it must look as shit just, as it used to I, to be honest I things that irritated me about the series like, I, it irritated me the way to try to explain the way that they have holograms instead of view screens oh we're not going to use those anymore on the Enterprise also and a lot of people loved this but maybe it's just that my lack of affection for the original series but I didn't at all like the Enterprise Bridges 60s aesthetic I really oh, did. Really? I just thought, no, 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 because you're just making it look. This is this fucking Federation flagship, and you're making it look shit. And it's just, it doesn't need to look shit. You didn't need the sneaker squeak when the door opened. I'm like, look, we accept the original series was made in the '60s. It had '60s. Let's just move on from that. We're not in the '60s oh, anymore. Okay, I don't okay. think you need to tie up that kind of old school, low budget aesthetic with a modern series. I, that said, loads of people loved it, so maybe I'm just. Well, I, I, yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. an interesting kind of middle ground where maybe it was sort of too sleek, but just. Keeping the same layout, I thought, could easily be enough because it's mm -hmm. obviously you're not going to just replicate a 60s yeah, set. Uh, and just, I think just having like the door where it's meant to be and the the uh, console separate, and then bloody Spock's viewer thing is there. At the <laughs> oh, yeah. Like those those four things in the chair, like that's it. We know what it yeah. is. So yeah, yeah. I mean, well, but the thing is, Pike says in the first episode, doesn't he? He makes a comment going, "Oh, we can see where Starfleet spending all their cash going like on the discovery." <laughs> so again, another yeah, line it, of just explaining. It's away. meant to be that. The, uh, that's the thing. It's it's funny you say the Enterprise their fellowship, but now they've kind of made out as if Discovery is the best thing and maybe the reason why we always thought the Enterprise was best is because now Discovery's been kind of wiped out for its issues yeah. but actually that was the amazing like, talk about it. premium yeah. five star ship and Enterprise are like fuck shit mate like uh, don't totally worry spacious <laughs> yeah 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 um, so poor Tilly's actually having a bit of a breakdown in this episode because we introduced oh, yes. May in the uh, last episode, most annoying character of the season. Pretty, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, it, is this it, the one where it goes full on? Like, she's in, she's getting the hallucinations, and yeah, she's getting like hallucinations and stuff like that. She's having a bit of a breakdown because obviously she's going for the yeah. commandership and everything. This like whole stuff's that. kind of as far as they push like the spore elements of the plot compared to last season like what they do here with Tilly and bring Culver back and then it's yes. kind of like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and they try and reduce that kind of back we also get introduced to section 31 mm. um, which although, although Tyler loses the leather which again I thought was a bad aesthetic yeah, choice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the return of Michelle Yeoh as mm -hmm. Philippa Giorgio which I was really happy about yeah She's great in this. I, but I, I, Giorgio, I could take or leave, but I like her as the Empress. As the Empress. You know, I, yeah. I love that iteration of the character. I yeah, think that I works agree. well. And I think she's a perfect, like, Section 31's a great fit for her. Uh, I, was, I also like the nod to the fact that Section 31 have next-gen era communicator badges, and they make a comment about that. That's pretty fucking clever. Uh, is, is Section nice. 31 a thing that's been introduced before? Yeah, it's from Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay, okay. okay. But it's, a very, it's a very different organisation. William Sadler, William Sadler runs it in Deep Space Nine. But right, it's, a right. very, it's a very sort of covert, no-one-really-knows-about-it organisation. Oh, so that kind of helps the continuity as well by yeah. saying no-one knows, so we can have them have new So the, the thinking, I think, of uh, is that you will because obviously there's a section yeah, 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 yeah. I think you'll see it evolve into the very sort of shadowy 
organization it becomes later on. So they've got 100 years to get there. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So by Deep Space Nine, yeah. it's more... By Deep Space Nine, yeah, it's very covert. Right. People don't even know necessarily that oh, it okay. exists. Like, it's a very right. different thing. It's here, okay. it's quite overt. It's like it's an intelligence arm. It's mm. more like mm. uh, the uh, Romulan Tal Shiar or the Cardassian Obsidian Order, of course, being their... Uh, uh, versions of As we ourselves. Okay, so episode four, an Obol for Charon. Don't know if I pronounce any Another of that right. Another classic next gen episode. They encounter a spatial anomaly. It turns out to be alive. It tries to kill them, and then they get the gift of its knowledge. This is the most <laughs> next gen episode ever conceived. Oh, okay. Like I mean, it's yeah. I wasn't didn't see that comparison, but that's because I haven't seen enough next gen yet. Well even in our limited exposure we've seen the kind of they encounter some being of yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. they the misunderstand it, form. it all turns in and it all works <laughs> out well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is the sphere which is mm. gonna be a big kind of MacGuffin plot point, yes. isn't it? Because it's got loads of knowledge that they get hold <sighs> of. Sweet, <laughs> sweet knowledge. <laughs> um but the kind of Main point of this episode is uh, about Saru's, uh, what is it, Vacheri? Uh, Vahorai. There we go. Yes. Like, he's yeah, triggered. Yes. He thinks which he's is, dying. Which right. is Kelpian menopause. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. The next part of his evolution, and he's been led to believe that he'll die as a result, basically, like uh, this going forward. And there's a very emotional deathbed scene uh, mm. between him and Burnham, which I. I one thing I've got to say about Discovery is I really feel like it wears its heart on its sleeve, mm. which is unlike Trek in general, I would say. I would say, like, looking at what I've seen of Trek in the past, I would say a lot of it is mm. quite cold, quite clinical. I'm not saying it's in incapable of having emotional moments. Oh, it's the death of Spock. Come now. Oh, oh yeah, the death, of, the death of Spock. But you can't <laughs> wheel out the death of Spock for a while. Especially in circumstances, yeah. Yeah, given yeah. so it's... many kind of showpiece moments yes. where she should what a brilliant actress she is with She's like amazing great. emotional range kind of thing. and I think that uh, what I love about Michael Burnham is I really do feel like over these two seasons I mean we have seen real genuine character development with her mm. from when we first introduced her and she's very much almost Spock-like in her kind of Vulcan-ness and everything like that and then now she's like the most emotional one in the crew kind of thing. She's very much led by most. She's embraced mm. those. I think that's really, really cool to see. I'm so glad she's getting all these breaks in the show as a character and as an actress because, you know, coming off of Walking Dead, I was yeah. thinking, yes, this is a great chance because she's mm. been really mm. good in this. And I'm glad the show hasn't dropped the ball on her as a character. And she's it's given her these opportunities for these big emotional scenes because it could have been a different iteration of just been more of the ensemble. Yeah, I think we've said before, it's like, there's half of the bridge crew is kind of glorified extras and the other half is where the ensemble lies. Yeah, yeah, I'd like yeah. to see more of a mix between yeah, the Yeah, same, same, same. Sure. Genuinely. not just shoving her aside. Well, this is something we'll get onto, but yeah, I, I, I agree with what you just said. We'll talk about that in an episode coming up. <laughs> yes, okay. very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also, I mean, her and Doug Jones, uh, again, mm. their relationship, mm. um, Sarah and Michael, I think has been really beautifully crafted yeah. and developed over time because by the time you get to that moment, of course... I think we all watching it don't believe Saru is going to die, but 
it, they do make us feel it. I, I thought think he was. See. I oh, really? He was going to die. See, that's interesting. I wasn't wildly bothered either. Uh, <laughs> You're not a fan no, of Surreal? I'm not a fan of I, like I love Doug Jones. I think he's great. Yeah. But like, I, I found... I wasn't a fan of, shall we say, pre Vaharai Saru. Oh, Post Vaharai okay. Saru, I'm very much on board with. So actually, they did the next best thing. Instead of killing him, they made him good, which I thought <laughs> yeah, was long overdue. Yeah, because yeah. he had a proper stick up his ass, and I just got really bored of that kind of, you know, always a bit McGangly is tingling. It's like, <laughs> really? McGangly. You know, and I just, I found that, and I didn't like that little effect when he did that, like the, you know, the primping the curls. Oh, really? did when he touched that. So like, let's just leave that. Then he becomes a badass. And he doesn't he give does a become like, a fucking yes, badass. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. Suru I want to see. Um, did you believe for a second, Liam, that he was going to die? No, yeah. I didn't believe it at all. But however, I watched it um, with my missus and she she was totally believing it because mm. literally this is her first ever Star Trek yeah, show. Yeah. She's never watched any Star Trek before. Um, never been interested in watching any Star Trek before um, apart from the JJ movies. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when she got on board with this, I was really glad and she so emotionally invested in it. She was proper sobbing, like thinking that's it, he's obviously <laughs> dead and everything like that. So she was so glad when he survived. I don't think I put it yeah. past the show because seeing what, they, you know, how cavalier they can just get yeah, that's like, true, walking, true, I think yeah. I think they could do it, but I didn't buy it was happening. So yes. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch check, you know, he's, he's fine. He's okay. fine. Um, episode five, Saints of Imperfection. Uh, so this is Stamets and Burnham journeying into the mycelial network to save Tilly. Yeah. As she's been like swallowed up in some crazy body horror into the uh, mycelium network. Look the effect of them going half in, half out. Yeah. Oh. It does the spin as if it's going and then just kind of goes, Burnt! Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that was another case of the show just looking fucking awesome. Yeah, on it. It like, you know, that effect is really yeah. amazing. And it coming through the uh, ship and they're, clear what how much time they have yeah yeah and like you say this is sort of this episode is sort of the big goodbye to the mycelial network because mm. they kind of push that stuff aside yeah. after this which I think is probably a good idea except they still use it even yeah, though yeah, they've yeah, yeah. demonstrated it's committing <laughs> genocide yeah. and then they kind of <laughs> Forget about that conveniently. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit. Hey ho! <laughs> it is a bit weird kind of thing. Like, um, and obviously, basically, the entire point of this episode, and I would say the entire point of May's character, even, yeah, was to reintroduce to Hugh Colbert, um, the Doctor in season one, who had his neck snapped yeah. by Ash Tyler when Vok was in control, um. And we find him again, basically, in the Mycelial Network. And he's been basically um, like reassembled, like. hasn't he? From mm -hmm. like particles in there. And I, what did we think about this in terms of... I mean, personally, I'm very on board with Wilson Cruz coming back as Shukoba. He's very good, and I like him. Though I thought like that was one of the big emotional beats of season one. And I felt this kind of undoes mm. that, mm. and it irritates me. I think sometimes it's like... For the emotional weight to be felt, they have to stay dead. You know, if you keep yeah. bringing people back, it takes some of the yep. some of the, the 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 you know consequences out of it. It's almost a shame it was him. It happened to. Yeah, if it, I agree. if it was a yeah. different character that died and came back, I'd be like, okay, I don't really care too much about that person. But this was really like the, the one of the core relationships between the two of them in season mm. one, and he felt like important to have around, and he is a great actor. So I was like, I'm all for him coming back, and I kind of buy the whole science behind how. Um, 
But yeah, it kind of dilutes the impact a bit, and it does annoy me when shows do that. This is something I wanted to talk about in terms of, do we believe there was always the plan for him to come back from the dead, or was it a reaction to the controversy over him being killed? I, don't, I have no idea. I'm sure I'm mm. sure Kurtzman has spoken about this. Whether he's done it, honestly, I do not know. I wonder yeah, if that... it could be a reaction, just because there's been a lot of changeover, hasn't there, behind the scenes and yes. showrunners and writers. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I yeah. imagine they could have ended season one, heard the feedback, you know, people liking Colber, and then going, right, heading in season two, new person in charge. find a way to bring him back. I find mean, a way and do it soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where I agree with you, Matt, really, in the sense of while... I think it is good for the dead to stay dead sometimes, to feel it. I think it was a real misfire that they killed off his character. Yeah, it's yeah. like you've literally just introduced the first because let us not fool ourselves <laughs> that fucking Sulu and beyond just basically tapping a man on the shoulder yeah, yeah, was a yeah, presentation yeah, yeah. of a gay relationship. Like, you know, this was really the first proper gay relationship in Star Trek. And they were doing it really well. Mm. And they were like, oh, he's fucking dead. <laughs> like, and so for me, I was, I thought it was important to have that in there. And, it, you know, so I was glad he was coming back. But a part of me was like, maybe she shouldn't have killed him off in the first place. Yeah. I, I, I was just going to say, I found the scene where they're trying to bring him back from the mycelial network and then they find that he can't come through yeah, back yeah, into yeah. the real world. Oh, that's brutal. I mm. found that fucking heart-wrenching. And that was a thing where I was like, Did you think oh, that was the trade-off? Well, like, they're going to do it this Yeah, way? I was like, are they actually going to be able to bring mm. him back? Is that, are they going to layer on the kind of heart-wrenchingness of not being able to bring him back? Because I was like, this is crushing. Like, as in, this is too much. Like, so I was glad they did manage to bring him through. Um, but that was really got me, I've got to say. Because I think you feel and believe their relationship. Yeah. Very much so. Um, no one else seems to be friends, barely, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Michael and Tilly, it's like, oh yeah, I vaguely know you, colleague. <laughs> it, from an emotional point of view, I thought, oh wow, okay, so they're not bringing about This was just a one episode yeah, yeah, yeah. brief thing. And then, of course, they switch it around and he's actually a mushroom man by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is nice. But yeah, no, that's, that is that is a, it's a brutal sort of like two tantalizingly sort of said ah oh, you can have him back but actually no mm, sorry yeah. you can't mm. that's yeah it's nasty i can't be the cause of this i can't leave you twice if you stay it'll be twice as deadly for the network we'll find another way you're devoted to creation to life and there are a million reasons to love you but that's mine I mean, for me, this was the first episode that really establishes that vibe, which I think they very much go into this season of the Discovery crew as family. Mm. Because Pike and the rest of the crew are willing to risk everything to get Tilly and everyone else back from the mycelial network. They're all willing to sacrifice mm. themselves completely. And for me, that's that togetherness in the crew kind of i don't i'm not sure if i've really felt that before it helps with plug the gaps crews. from what we're not seeing getting from their connections yeah. by having them yeah, do yeah, something yeah. like you know actions speak loud and it's like having them team together for this whether we believe their individual interactions and relationships like having them go to such lengths to do one thing when they come out of it at the other end you're like okay at least you've done that together we can mm. feel that mm. and you can feel that and that's something we can kind of latch on to the Sound of Thunder, the sixth episode, mm. and the arrival of James's favourite, Badass Saru. That's 
trying. Um, this <laughs> is where they return to uh, Saru's home world, uh, Kaminar, which we saw in The Brightest Star, the short trek. Um, and we find that the Balu, uh, who are the other species that live on that planet, are demanding um, Saru return to them. There's some very intense scenes between Pike and Saru on the bridge mm. here, which I thought were absolutely awesome. Yeah, I, I liked this lot. I also really liked the idea of the life cycle on Kamina, like the way mm. the Baul were essentially forcing them to offer themselves up for euthanasia when they mm. start to go through their change, and then the realising the understanding of why they did it, and that, you know, Saru now has, like, neck daggers that he can shoot at people. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I wonder yeah. if we get to see those a bit later on. Um, yeah, no, this it, it was an interesting episode. But then, of course, they throw the curveball, which is as it plays out, we get our Red Angel returning to save yes, the day. Yes. And so you're like, oh, I'd kind of forgotten this was a thing, but mm. this is a thing. Yeah, no, completely. And I must admit, at this point, where uh, Saru says the Red Angel is humanoid, yeah. I hundred percent believed it was. You haven't seen the short tracks, have you? Uh, I think I've seen one or two. Oh, okay. The second one, Calypso, which is by far the best, mm. um, introduces Aldous Hodge um, as a character, and that it's set like a thousand years in the future. And I was hundred percent convinced that he was the Red Angel. Hundred percent convinced. I I, I I I haven't rewatched Calypso since I first okay. saw it. My thing with Calypso is like when so Calypso the ship's been abandoned. Yeah. But the ship's been abandoned for a long time, hasn't it? How do they say how long it's been abandoned for? Uh, they they don't. I all... thought they said it had been abandoned for like a long time. I think they just say that it's a thousand years in the future yeah. from when we are now, and the ship has been at abandoned. Best then, it's been abandoned for what, like forty something years. Yeah, because like, now, like, yeah. But also, don't they mention something on the lines of is it the crew just got there, or there's one shuttlecraft left because it was a brand new shuttlecraft? Like, the only shuttlecraft that remains is brand new, so it hadn't been properly calibrated or whatever it was. But it can't be brand new, because unless it's a future Federation shuttlecraft. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. there are, but, but I and I know she was like, this is bullshit. But actually, <laughs> I, I believe they probably need to think it through, because all of those short tracks directly feed into the story arc. Yeah, like they They're do. all important parts. Of, I mean, I need to see them, but they all touch on key events in this. So I've got to think that it's my memory of it more than anything else. I'm hoping that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. Well, you've got to think that now they are going into the future with Discovery, that yeah. they're going to come back around yeah. to what was shown in Calypso. Yeah. Because they didn't this season. Well, I don't think we'll ever see that. Like, I don't think... Oh, okay. Yeah, I, th I feel like that was that was showing you a future thing, but I don't mm. know. I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's a throwaway thing. I don't know that we'll come back to Interesting, because I thought, because being that in the first short trip, Runaway, we came back to that with the character of the Queen. Mm. Brightest star, we came back to that in terms of introducing Saru's yep. sister and stuff like that. You presume Harry Mudd will come back at some point mm -hmm. in the Escape mm -hmm. Eyes. So I thought Calypso, for me, I almost thought that was too like out there not to show something, like go like, this is going to come back. Especially when they went, we're going to future. I was like, right, mm. okay. So Calypso is like, fucking series finale at some point like i, I felt like it was a flight of fancy it oh, felt to me like uh like like a very playful 
uh, attempt to do something different. Like it had touches of Wally to it. it like yes, yeah, things, did, there were lots yeah, yeah. of little things it touched on. I thought this is it's some nice little flight of fancy. That said, they were deliberately playing with expectations. Like it's deliberate. It's a thousand years in the future. You know, yeah. they were deliberately sort of like foreshadowing that a little bit. Yeah. Hey, this is going to be a useful number <laughs> to keep in your head. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Perhaps it was nice. the one of the shorts that they deliberately didn't tie back into in season two to make you think. Oh, okay, so that's the one that's not going to come back in. Yeah, and, then when they get then, and Harry Mudd, like, I kind of oh. feel that that felt more like a, a throwback to the first season. More than yes, I don't know. Yeah, will yeah, we see yeah, him yeah. again? I don't know. Surely he's not. done, unless he's well, yeah, away unless somewhere. he comes into the future. Like I think he's done. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but Aldersoy didn't come back in the second season, unfortunately. Uh, but the Balor, I thought, were a really, really good villain. I thought they established them straight away as feeling really dangerous yeah and, and then they're spiky sludge monsters yeah yeah that's the, that's the whole thing it's, although yeah. they were really freaky i thought in terms of yeah they were, they were weird yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a doctor who excursion wasn't yes it? Yeah. very yeah, much so. yeah, yeah 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 but i liked their character development through i liked that he was reunited with his sister and she actually got something proper to do because i felt so sorry for her being abandoned and brighter star man like yeah i was <laughs> yeah i was glad that was all able to happen so yeah i thought uh thought it was very very decent uh Light and Shadows yes. brings us halfway through uh, the season. And finally, we get Spock, played by <laughs> Ethan Peck, Gregory Peck's grandson. Yeah. Um, were you of the same opinion, James, that you felt like you were waiting for Spock to turn up this season? Uh, not hugely. Like I it did. I, we made all the search for Spock jokes in this. And yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, you knew he was going to turn up eventually, but... Like I, I get anxious when they start playing with canon. Not because it bothers me that they might deviate from it, right. but I feel like their creative freedom gets curtailed. Mm. So yeah, I just think yeah, they're yeah. not able to do that interest, like not do, able to do very interesting things when they start to involve people like Spock. Yeah. Because you know, right? He can't die. He can't do this. He can't do that. And it, again, it, it's it. It stops them from surpassing expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, A, I thought he was very good. B, I thought he played him superbly. Yeah, and C, he, he fucking some... rocked that beard. Yeah. So I was totally down with uh, with Beard Spock. And actually, when he shows it at the end, I was like, you look like a freak. I was like, <laughs> no, put not, it back. Not my Spock. Put it back. Not yeah, my Spock. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag, hashtag, I don't think hashtag so. not my Spock. <laughs> yeah, I thought they did a really good job of kind of seeding him through it. Like, they teased him really well. So you, yeah. there's a bit of like get a bit of his voice in one of the early episodes and then some of the flashbacks mm. and then just the kind of where is he? It's like, I thought it was quite a clever trick to have the most recognisable element of Star Trek yeah. to the outside audience be so elusive for so long. And so when it turns up, it felt quite meaningful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I really liked his performance as well. I thought that he made this really clever choice of going, he obviously knew that this was set you know, after the cage and between that and where we begin with Kirk and the original series. And in the cage, we noted when we watched it, the Spock's acting quite differently to how he does later. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and even in those very early episodes of the original series that were filmed first, again, he's, he's playing it slightly differently, slightly more stern, slightly more robotic. And I kind of felt that he was leaning into mm. that version of Spock and playing him differently rather than doing a Nimoy impression. Well, Peck has the advantage here where, like, those early Spock episodes for Nimoy was an act of finding a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's able to take a step back, Peck, now, and be like, right, let's see Spock that all we've seen throughout the years, and I can just zero in 
and then craft something around what Nemo had done at that point. Yes, yeah, and find yeah, the best yeah. of both worlds because you know, in his physicality, the way he stands, the way his voice intonations, like it's all sort of perfect, and it is filling in that gap where it's like he's he's nearly there. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. not different enough that you're going. Oh no, this guy doesn't get Spock. He's not doing Spock very well. You're like, no, he's he's totally nailing it. Yeah, I thought he completely made the role his own. Definitely, um, we get Tyler and Pike going off on shuttlecraft together. This is completely classic Star Trek, isn't it? Yep. In terms of two blokes <laughs> yes. going off on a shuttlecraft yeah. together <laughs> and kind of you know kind of feeling each other out in the shuttlecraft. Yeah, and, well, yeah, because it's that whole thing of he's going, oh look. I know you feel bad because you missed out on the war. Yeah. It's like, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of time anomaly as well. It's very kind of classic. Oh, so I, I was enjoying all this. Um, and then we get really the introduction of the big villain of the season. Um, although we don't know it at the time. Yeah, although we don't know it at the time. But straight away, it is a scary idea where it's basically that they send a probe out it goes into the future, comes back, lodged with loads of future tech, and is now home. evil, and kind of instantly latches onto the ship. And I thought it looked so freaky the way it's like, straight away. You were like, "Oh god, mm. this is something really, really dangerous." Going, like, you can't yeah. really fight it because it's like, like you say, all the future tech. It's like yeah. you've got no idea how to hurt it, and it's just got us every move, every turn. Yeah, yeah. So I, straight, away, I felt like this was a substantial threat. And you're right in the sense of. You don't really know at that point that it's kind of you know a real going to be the season or, arc, or honestly, what's going on? Yeah, 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 completely. Yeah. Like um, it very much felt like that, and uh, we finally get to see Arium doing a bit more in this episode. I wonder why that is. Yeah. Now this kind of goes to the point that you mentioned earlier, like, and this was the one issue I had with Star Trek season, uh, Discovery season one and the first half of season two. It's like. I couldn't name seventy percent of the people on that fucking bridge. I don't. There's the one with the shaved side of the head. There's the one who's a robot. And who are these people? What are their names? We don't know anything about them. Like by the end of the first episode of Encounter at Farpoint, such as it is, you know everyone. You know who they are. You know their names. Like you get a feel for who they are, and they're all very well-rounded characters mm. with distinct personalities and mm. inner lives, and they get episodes of their own, and they're all mm. featured. You know, and it, it it makes you feel for all those characters and. There were interesting characters on this bridge that I wanted to know more about, and yet... You never see them off never, the bridge. never see them no. off the bridge. They don't have conversations there. I mean, they may well have been named at points, but I totally missed their names. I couldn't have picked them out of a lineup, And that, that had been bugging me. So when Arium started to get a name and a thing, I was like, oh, good. And then, oh. That's why. Going, <laughs> That's like, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you, Which... do, you, do you, Liam, think it feels like the show's been burning through story as it has because it isn't... De uh, devoting screen time to subplots with all these other characters. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, if, yeah. if they gave these other characters scenes, moments, that would obviously eat up mm. time. So, I mean, maybe that's a product of like a 20, you know, 23, 24 episode season I back in the day. I think so. And I don't think you can give them episodes, but I think you could have, you know, given them fucking names. Uh, <laughs> you know, so again, the one with the shaved side of her head. I still don't know what her name is. I'm sure she has a name. Mm. I'm sure it's on IMDb. I could look it up. Most people probably do know her name. But to me, it's like, oh, she's the one with the eye and the thing. I don't know her name. I think that's what they were counting on, wasn't it? They were going, let's give them all visual... Um, Yes, I yeah. yeah. They have, yeah, they have, so identity. that people can say, "Oh, the one oh, with the you know her, the, that one, the eye." Yeah. But it's weird, isn't it? Because they almost seem to have made a joke out of it a bit. Because we interviewed Ronnie Rao Jr., who plays the comms officer Bryce. Yeah, James, like, who's that looking off on the <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. um, name there. And in the first season, when Harry Mudd uh, attacks the ship, 
he actually has a moment where he points a gun at him because he goes to try and take him out. And he says, like, oh, what are you doing, random comms guy? Going like, yeah. And it's almost like the show is commenting, like, oh, yeah, we know we're not really bothering for these characters in. Like, to the point that you were like, oh, that's them acknowledging that it's a problem. So in the second season, they're definitely going to try and write this. And they didn't really, did they? I think we all assumed that in this season, everyone was kind of going to be pulled mm. out. And while you do very much get the feeling of um, them all being a family together and all caring about each other, they still feel like underwritten, essentially. Yeah, you've got like the Fast and Furious crew, all about family, then these guys yeah. just below. They're linked by family, <laughs> yeah. but they don't turn up to every, everyone's parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do yeah. wonder going into season three if my vision of their future is that there's just nobody around. So there's nobody, no other characters exactly. to focus yeah, on. Because yeah, yeah. all through season one and two, you've got like. Vulcan Ambassadors, you've got Section 31, you've got Starfleet, you've got whoever else, Klingons. Uh, so there's a lot of characters going on, even without uh, without the ship. And so I think, depending on what angle they take for the next season, there could be another good opportunity to kind of reset and be like, right, let's focus on, on these guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that, actually, in the sense of it is going to be a literal voyage of discovery, isn't it? In the sense of... I want like them said, to be doing Red Dwarf in season two. Yeah, there's not going to be anyone else around. <laughs> it's just going to be them. So presumably there's going to be well, a lot more opportunity. Is that the case? We don't know that. Uh, that's because true, yeah. they're going into a future where control hasn't wiped everyone out. So yeah. theoretically, it's just going to be whatever the state of the galaxy is 950 years in the future. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't understand how this works in terms of the timeline well if you think of where we are now like uh next generation is broadly speaking a hundred or so years after yeah. where yeah. we leave this final right. episode so this is a fuck ton of time past mm. that mm. do you know what i mean like it's a long way past because once you start in next gen timeline all the other shows kind of yeah, yeah they, they all slot in so together, you know yeah. you're, i mean roughly speaking so so i think so maybe it's 200 years actually next gen but anyway so you're at least 750 mm. years past mm. next mm. generation so a lot could have happened yeah there. and this excites me for a number of reasons first of all i was like oh they're going the future maybe it will be next gen timeline but of course if they do that they've got the same problem again but which is with a different series so going into uncharted space is very exciting because nothing Trekwise has played in this area before. Yeah. I mean, even even like the the third time frame in in all good things takes place well before this. Yeah, you know, so it's an and no one knows what we're going on. What races will be around? Will the Federation be there? Will mm. they get a resupply of future Federation people? <laughs> Who knows? Um, I think it's a lot more interesting if they get there and there is no Starfleet, there is no kind of like, you know, because you almost feel like in Calypso, because that's like a thousand mm. years in the future, you kind of feel like, oh, would Discovery be all abandoned and everything like that if there was Starfleet still about? Kind of thing to go, like, come yep, out and get them. Fair. And, like, you know, it just feels as if we it would be a good opportunity to go to a place where it's like no that that's no yeah. longer there like and and the mystery being what happened to Starfleet mm. uh, you know how did this all end up the search for Starfleet yeah <laughs> yeah well, like you say Red Dwarf mate yeah. Red Dwarf there's there's gonna be like one episode from one of the series somewhere like a standalone episode no matter which one it is where there's like a bad guy and he's foiled by being flung off somewhere like is there any character we've seen throughout the whole series of all the series that could exist out there and we pick him up the way that Khan comes back. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, who's been waiting? Like, there's one person in canon who could potentially be out. Well, yeah, he's like he wants revenge against Starfleet, and he's just been waiting out there because he's like, Starfleet no longer exists. And then they pop up. He's like, at last. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, 
if memory serves yes, at the, the end service episode the, there we go at the end of the last episode we were told we're going to talos four as uh michael kidnaps uh spock and takes him off in a shuttlecraft and straight away old school fans would have been like talos four we know what that is it's from the cage because i and you can correct me if i'm wrong here james um to me as a kind of not hardcore fan, I thought that there was a question mark over exactly when this was set in kind of Pike's timeline before mm. this episode. In terms, of, I was like, is this pre cage or post cage? And I didn't really feel like they answered that question definitively until this episode. Yeah, mm. I don't know whether it was laid out exactly. I mean, I know it's, I, I've consulted a timeline at some point in the last few weeks. <laughs> I remember looking at it and thinking, okay, right, so the cage is then and this is there and this is when Discovery takes place. So it's, yeah, it is post cage. Uh, I don't know whether that had been... We knew that before. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking um, in terms of... But then it's all like... Like, this is an odd one because this is an... Un, like, The Cage is the unaired pilot for yep. the original series, which was then recut into the two-part episode of The Menagerie. Yeah. So it's just like... But actually, The Cage is canonical as well, yep. technically. So it always ends up being confusing. Uh, but I like with this one that they started with previously on Star Trek with the old school Star Trek yeah, logo. You saw fantastic. the old school Star Trek footage. It was a nice touch. It was a little love letter to to the original series. It's funny, right? Okay, everyone loved this, didn't they? Right? You're like, I hate oh, no, it. not I hate it. Or I feel like it's, it is nice. I agree. But I personally, it's funny because I mentioned to you, you were going to me, oh, it's fucking most mental, like previously, yeah, yeah. kind of like. Well, ever. at that point, I was like you. I, I assumed all the discovery was pre cage, pre original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, so. same, same. And um, when I saw it, I. Uh, did you see the Doctor Who Christmas special twice upon a time? The one where they brought William Hartnell's Doctor back? And I don't like, do you're Doctor not, Who. Oh, yeah, you're not a Doctor <laughs> Who guy, are no, you? No, no, no. Like. It's only so much sci fi to get yeah, yeah, yeah. one brain. Okay, well. Christmas special of Doctor Who, last Peter Capaldi episode, right? Um, in that, they brought back the first Doctor, William Hartnell's Doctor, now played by David Bradley because of the fact that he played him in Adventure in Space and Time. And they did a moment at the beginning of the episode where they had a black and white clip from uh, a William Hartnell story and gradually they focus on his face and it gradually changes to colour and goes from William Hartnell playing him to David Bradley mm. playing him. And... It was, like, so, so fucking well done. Like, the effects were really, really good, and the way it melded into his face and into colour, you are wow. And to me, it was done a lot more effectively than this, which is a very similar idea, but I thought it was way more jarring yeah. here. Because I was like, to anyone who's not a Star Trek fan... Uh, anyone doesn't know about so they would have just go like, what? What did I miss? Well, yeah, Why did this like It would go number one. It says previously on Star Trek. This is all some sort of trap. Are you real? Perhaps they made me out of dreams you've forgotten. Is there any way I can keep them from probing my mind, from using my thoughts against me? I can't help but love you. Let's get back to the ship. I can't. I can't go with you. And they'd be like, oh, put the wrong series on, wait a minute. <laughs> like, uh, and like, then there's all these clips from the, obviously, the unaired part. It's not even the original series. So, I mean, let's face it. If you modern... did spot Nimoy and you were like a casual fan, you might not, you'd be like, what is this? <laughs> in modern era, it, it looks like shit. It says like, you know, and uh, I thought this is so jarring. And to me, if the whole point of this show really is to establish Star Trek Discovery with a new audience, which I think it's done very successfully. It felt odd to put this gigantic bit of fan service in there that 
to a lot of people watching would just be like, what? Well, well, what it felt like was that the last the last five minutes of a five hour story meeting, and they're all a bit drunk now. And they're like, before they go out and be like, should we start this with actual footage? And they're like, ha, ha, ha. that's a joke, right? And then someone's like, <laughs> yeah, we, oh, we, we had it in, right? Like, uh, like you did yeah. what? <laughs> Saying that, I thought that the cut, hard cut to um, Anson Mount as Pike after that footage, I thought was amazing mm. and kind of almost hit the strength of his performance <laughs> almost made it all work because you saw it all on his face all those memories it felt as if that had been in his head and that's how he remembers his yeah life. yeah exactly <laughs> and you were almost like well i guess maybe that's how he sees it in his head he's like yeah it was like that wasn't it that's the like, way yeah. it can make sense that spot goes from like nimoy to pector yeah exactly <laughs> i just to me I, I just thought like if i hadn't seen the cage this would make fucking sense mm. like yeah but it's still it's a nice moment for the fans um but this is uh, an interesting episode. I agree with you that it's it's complete fan service, hundred um, percent. But what fan service? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's what I say about most of this season, really. I mean, we get Melissa George in shoes as Vina, That's right. and like, I mean, this plays heavy on the occasion. Like you say, the cage is a weird thing in the sense of it's this unaired pilot, and then they put the clips into the menagerie. And then the 80s, they go, oh, no, actually, here's the original pilot. And then because they've actually aired that, that now gets included. Like, So when you go on Netflix, that is the first episode well, can you of Star Trek. imagine if it Trek. wasn't even part of Netflix's listing? It was, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, but no, it's, it's now properly in yeah. continuity. And so and this plays heavily on that in terms of I was like, I'm glad I've seen The Cage. Because I'm not sure if I'd completely get this mm. otherwise. Well, it all ties in because obviously, bearing in mind that that uh, Pike's destiny is to end up on Talos Four. Yes, isn't it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It all ties in. We see the future in which he's scarred, mm. yeah, and you know he's going to end up with Melissa George. So actually, his arc, you know, it, it ties into all that stuff, and I think it's a nice nod to that. Mm. Sort of. mm. yeah, yeah, I guess it's not like the, the cage. What happens in the cage episode was just another random adventure. It, does happen that that's where Pike ends up. Definitely. Well, it's kind of almost like this season feels like it's Pike's journey, essentially, isn't it? In terms mm. of he already knows where he's going. Mm. And I thought that was a really interesting reveal because it kind of makes him even more heroic because he knows he where he's going and, he and he's decides. willing to just keep on going. He's not going to change it. Um, and But also sad as well because I think prior to this... The fact that Pike ended up in that chair like he does, I don't think it was particularly kind of uh, emotional before this. No. Whereas now, the fact that he ends up like that, I find it really sad. I mean, I know in the, he kind of ends up on Task 4 living a sort of uh, fantasy life, so it's mm. okay. But, you know, you've really come to love yeah. that character. Well, we get to point. see a bit of the accident that does it to him as well. In, it's well yeah, 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 yeah. So they really kind of contextualize all the fame mm. pike in a way i quite like yeah 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 completely and uh we also get to find out what it was that michael did to really drive a rift between her and spock what did we think about this i mean it wasn't what i would call particularly earth shattering was it she was a bit mean <laughs> yes um, and he can't handle it like, really <laughs> this is what you're holding a grudge about but sure why not did you see the parallels with Star Trek V Final Frontier? 
No one should ever see parallels between <laughs> Final Frontier. We, we remain the we only are defenders of Final Frontier. Like you and I... fucking William Shatner. I had, a, <laughs> I had like an hour long interview with him when he go, went on about how like it's been harshly misjudged. And it really yes. hasn't. And it's but like I, actually, you he's... know, if they'd let me make the film I wanted to make, really. <laughs> I read his onset diary for that film kind of thing and in that I mean he really does preach it doesn't he in terms of this is like the culmination of my entire career yeah. like oh to this point kind of thing and like, but no we uh, yeah I think we're the only people who like it which is so weird in the sense of Paul uh, who's not here today is the one who was the biggest Chet fan before we came on board and he hates Final Frontier like most Czech yes. fans so it was weird of like us being the outsiders yeah, we were like, does, like, it just take, oh, great. does it just take us being outsiders to do we not understand yet because it was like the fifth thing I'd seen yeah. and I was like yeah this is alright it's so much fun watch it again mate when was the last time you watched it uh, I not that long ago because I watched it before I did Chatner, so I would say three years ago <laughs> uh, so you went into that interview resentful yeah <laughs> I, was, I, was, I also remember I rented it when it first came out and I forgot to take it back and I got a late fine for it so actually <laughs> It may be that the echoes of that are still why I was That's true. The scars. Uh, but what I thought is it was very, very similar to uh, Spock's secret pain that's revealed in Final Frontier about his rejection from Cybok, right. who's meant to be his half-brother, mm. who obviously we don't hear mention of in this. And presumably, they don't want, want anyone watching Final Frontier. No, um, but it's it's in that it's that Cybok rejected him as a kid and was going, "Are oh, you too human?" Ah. And here it's Michael rejecting him as a thing. kid, going, "You're too Vulcan." So I'm like, "This fucking kid can't win." Mm. Like, yeah, it's just like yeah. And I felt that was really weird in terms of that's really similar to the thing on Final Frontier. But kind of flipped. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And that's it. Final Frontier and this episode of Discovery are the keys to Spock's entire character. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I just thought it was really odd, and I do agree with you that to me, I, I they didn't completely sell me on that being such a huge thing, mm. especially someone like Spock. In the sense of, I was like that he would really hold that much resentment for that moment from them. Like, it just felt like, I, yeah, I didn't quite feel. I mean, it I guess. It doesn't gel with what we know about that character. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he would have let it go by now. But then again, I guess they're trying to explore the human element mm. and strengthen his relationship with Michael and give them a kind of relationship mm -hmm. arc. Um, but yeah, I uh, thought this was a really good episode, if kind of flawed in the sense of desperation to give fan service. I also loved uh, the whole fight between Colba. And Tyler, I thought it was really, really cool. And I just they're showcasing such a different side mm. of um, Colbert's character. Yeah, was in that in the canteen? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When he comes in, because I, I thought Wilson Cruz was awesome <laughs> in that scene. Because he's not up until this point, he's not the kind of character who's giving you the impression that he's going to be a badass fighter or anything like that. And but he handles himself pretty well. You, know, you think that Tyler, once he starts holding back. Uh, it's good Baron, but it's just, yeah, I thought it was a really, really good scene. <laughs> really liked it. And now we have Project 
Daedalus. Daedalus. There we go. This is named it. after the character from Greek mythology. This is what we need here oh, for pronunciation. Here we go. So this is the Defavarium, and James, I feel like you've got stuff to say about this. Yeah, like it, this was this. On the one hand, this was interesting because it gave you some background as to what not so much who, but what Arium is. Mm. So like the I assumed she was an android, which yeah, yeah. just doesn't make sense because if she was an android, then no one would have batted an eyelid at Data, who was a freak and a phenomenon when you met him <laughs> in Next Generation. Uh, but uh, so she's not. She's a human, heavily augmented human. Mm. Uh, and she has a tragic backstory. And actually, it, that really humanised her. And it was a very interesting look at her. Um, and the fact that she got like, downloading memories and stuff. I mean, there's, yeah, you could, there's not a lot of, I guess, logic to that part of it. But it's all good. It's all good. I like that stuff. But it was a little too little too late for me. Like, if you're going to kill a character and you want to build them up first, fine, do that. But don't do it five minutes. But don't suddenly, <laughs> hey, care about this person, dead. You know, which is basically what they yeah, did. Yeah, that's just going to um, highlight it even more. That it's so I, I didn't care <laughs> that she died at the end because I refused to be made to care about this character in one episode. <laughs> Um, and also, there was a lot of heavy lifting plot-wise in this one because you're introduced to Control, to the fact that Control is actually the baddie. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about... It's also a bit mind-bending because they encounter the base where present Control has been. But Arium is possessed by future Control, not present Control. So then you get into two different versions of Control which exist in the same point in time at this bit. So actually, they're separate entities. And while they get rid of future control at this point, and they pass future control, they then have to contend with present control. That's a good point. It's a lot of control going on. <laughs> I must say... A lot of control. I'd forgotten about all of that. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> But I... Yeah, I mean, the thing with Arium, I do agree, in the sense of it all seems... <sighs> it, yeah, the, the fact that they built her up, like they knowing that they were going to kill her off mm -hmm. kind of thing. It just feels a bit conceited in the way they did it. Um, saying that, again, Sonequa Martin-Green, uh, I feel she brings the emotion. She does. And well. in mm -hmm. that final scene between them, mm -hmm. she made me care. Like, you know, she did, even though I was like, yeah, I know Wait, I'm You're being... caring for Michael being yes, hurt by losing. Yeah, but I think, you, yeah, I think you're right in the sense of the way they kind of make us care about these more minor characters is the effect it has on the bigger characters. Yeah. Mm. Which isn't the way you should do it, but it's at least it's something. Yeah. I enjoyed the riffs on the Undiscovered Country in this, the grav boots. I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> uh, that put me very much in mind of that. And I enjoyed that whole... In the same way that the, the one where they... they, they uh, they go to the sort of mycelial network was basically a horror film template. Like these mm -hmm. had elements of that to it as well. And so did the the first season episode, you know, where they meet Ripper the Tartigrade. You know, yeah. I enjoy yeah. those episodes when they play with the horror genre. I think yeah. it works very well. Yeah, yeah it no, turns I agree. a bit kind of like Terminator, doesn't it, towards the end when she's like coming after them and is clearly harder to stop than somebody normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because again, rip I... ripping uh, thingies. Face oh thing yeah. yeah, I definitely thought she was good. Yeah, yeah. I, um, in this moment, kind of thing. Uh, and I was glad she didn't. I found it interesting that they had her kill Aaron rather than Michael, in terms of much as it was a it was a cool moment because obviously Michael wasn't going to do it, and then she let Tim go. I don't care about this. <laughs> she ripped my like breathing apparatus off. Like, but at the same time, I thought it was interesting that they didn't put that on Michael as the main character to be like, now she has to live with yeah, the pain yeah. of having killed that character. Because at the very beginning of Discovery, I think I mentioned this before, very first episode, Falcon Hello, Michael really reminded me of Jack Bauer. 
in that first episode. In the terms because of, of the mutinies. And... Well, yeah, because in the first ever episode of 24, Jack Barrow has that thing where he immediately knocks out Mason, mm-hmm. head yeah. of CTU, because yeah. he's like, and straight away you're like, right, okay, so this <laughs> is a guy who will do whatever he has to fucking do. And immediately in that, she knocks out Giorgio, because she's like, well, no, I need to take over a mutinies. And I was like, holy shit, she's like Bauer. She's going to be Bauer of Starfleet. And I saw this moment and I was like... She's going to swallow yeah, emotions and be like... Yeah, because ah. that's the kind of moment we saw with Jack Bauer time and time again in 24. Yeah, when he has to fucking kill Curtis or everything like that. It was... I felt she was going to do it. And then when she didn't, I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's almost like they've kind of made her to have too much heart now to be able to make those hard decisions mm. and do it. Like, Which comes back later with all the stuff she has to do and achieve you know yeah yeah, yeah 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 but it's definitely that thing of too little too late in terms of making us care and it's strange because it's not like they finished putting out episode eight and we're like shit right we've got to do another episode for next week let's just do this because that's what it feels like in that you have had eight episodes to at least touch on arium somewhat if you know this is where it's going rather than this is what it feels like it feels more like when people make a sci-fi film in 48 hours they do the uh, like shorthands for exposition and making us care, which often comes down to photo frames, news reports, <laughs> or text on a wall. And the classic, like, oh, here's me and an ex walking on the beach, and I'm sad about it, is just like the, the shortness of shorthand to make us go, oh, yeah, she had a life, and that's sad. Like, I like the kind of black mirror elements of just sorting through her memories, and that's a cool yeah, element to do. Memory, yeah. But we haven't seen her do this up until now, and we, that would have been nice to have seen yeah. if it could have tied into some other it's stuff. It's almost like they just made it up for this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, saying all that, the last set piece did work for me on a kind of technical Same. and, yeah. uh, and uh, like, thrilling level. It was a great fight and great conclusion to it. But, um, yeah, it's almost a shame to lose, again, a character that is different from everyone else in terms of how they're put together, how they look. Um, and I think I, I followed the uh, actress's Instagram afterwards just seeing, because this was like her big episode, you know, and it's yeah. like, she seems like she's great. And it's like, where's where's more service here? Well, we, we talked about this when we interviewed Ronnie, didn't we? Because mm. you saw Black Cop, yeah. um, which he was the lead in, and you were saying his performance is stunning in this movie. Why are they not utilizing his acting talent yeah. in Discovery Black- rather than just like, oh, there's a message coming through? Black Cop is Ronnie's Bronson. You know, he's yeah, got yeah. some incredible to camera stuff in that. Uh, and, you know, props to Ronnie for, because presumably when we spoke to him, he would have known he was coming back. Oh, he did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was clutching hold yeah, of his end. We had no idea, and yet he's in every episode, so he so, did well. Yeah, he's, he's done okay. Hopefully, <laughs> some more, more, more stuff for him in, in season three. But I agree, the fights, I've got to think, yeah. across the board in Discovery are wicked. Like, the fight choreography, I think, is really, really impressive. Because yes. um, because... when it goes wrong or goes badly or is rushed, you can tell mm. and stuff. Yeah. In yeah, particular, yeah. the Giorgio versus Leland fight that we'll oh. get to down there, where they do a full inception with a, with a gimbal. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's going around. That's, that's very oh, nice. It's basically whenever Yoa just pulls out the chop socket, and it? it's just absolutely <laughs> amazing. Like, you, they really have gone, we've got Michelle Yoa. Let's utilize her skills because she's awesome and can perform amazing fight stunts and everything like that. And it's just, yeah, it's wicked. It's not like, oh, God, what's his name now? The guy from the raid when he shows up what, in Force Awakens. Yes, when yeah. he shows up in Force Awakens. Well, when we found out him and Mad Dog were cut. Oh, yeah. We're like, they're going to be lightsaber and everywhere. And they just turn up in the corridor. It's like, oh, <laughs> do you yes. know who you have? <laughs> Such a disappointment. Like, uh, right, Red Angel. So, 
this is kind of piling on the emotion of Arium's death. We get a big funeral scene. Saru sings a song. Didn't quite need yeah. song, song for Arium. He, he composed a song for her character. On Kaminar, we sing songs of remembrance for those who have been taken from us too soon. This is a song of remembrance for Arium. I do feel this was slightly overegged at this point. Also, also, like, <laughs> why does she get a funeral? Yeah. No other fucker who dies gets a funeral. True. She yeah. gets a funeral. We barely knew her name for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I felt this was really them rubbing it in, trying to say, look, this character was really mm. important. We've done a big thing killing her off. And the more they do that when it's unearned, it's like it's like you, James, it's like the more I react the other way, and I'm like, oh, I can I can see the strings here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to be pulled. Don't well, Copper didn't even get a funeral, did he? Yeah, yeah. In, in season one. So you go, yeah, 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 it doesn't, doesn't work at all. Um, so Leland reveals the truth over Michael's parents' deaths. Uh, another really another good one, scene. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're literally just piling <laughs> on the emotional scenes uh, for Sneaker in this uh, her, her season. Her acting was so She's good in this phenomenal. scene that I was watching. And when it cuts to Leland's coverage, her tears are doing the same stuff on her face out of shot than it is when it's on her. So she's on cue. Oh, amazing. <laughs> um, and we seem to find out the Red Angel is Michael from the future. Mm. Um, at this point, this is a thing that has been criticised on the show. I'm interested to see what you guys think about. In the sense of a lot of people have said one of the problems with this is, number one, it's less of an ensemble in terms of it's more Michael is the driving force of the show and people act around her but also it's kind of the show is about michael in the sense of it's like well of course the red angel is michael of course it's all about michael and even you know when we get the real revelation of who the red angel is it still comes back to michael um she seems it's so intrinsically important to the entire universe Mm, what do you think about that I have no issue with it. I mean, she's the star of the show. She so, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that that didn't bother me in the slightest. Like, I was, I, I felt a bit like it didn't feel a particularly satisfying explanation uh, for this, really. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't gutted by it. I wasn't hugely disappointed. I wasn't like, wow, this is amazing. Let's, you know, fist pump. You mean but, the real um, explanation? Either. Honestly, right, uh, that either, it was right, Michael, okay, yeah. or that it was her mum, or that actually it was Michael. Do you know right, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Any of those things, I was a bit like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's go. <laughs> okay, okay. And yeah, it really is Michael's mum, played by Gregson the Wire. Yeah, that's right. Uh, with awesome to see on just because it, it, pretty much anyone who was cast in The Wire is an amazing <laughs> actor. Um, so it's great to see her. And yeah, I mean, really, this episode was just about that reveal, wasn't it, really? Yeah, there's a lot of Basil exposition here, where she starts <laughs> going, and then I did this, and then I did this, and this is why I did that. And this, and you're like, oh, okay, so you're joining all the dots for us now. Thank you for that. I mean, they do leave some bits unshaded, but there's a, there's a lot of story dump in this episode. Mm. But you do get to see, you know, uh, Control, present control, not future control. Control possessed Leland uh, gets a bit badass in this. That's quite fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah, he is... gets in the fucking eye, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really, really nasty. I mean, 
the most badass scene comes in Perpetual Infinity, which is the next episode. He gets a big fight scene with Michelle Yeoh in this episode because it's kind of race against time to basically... They, they want to put all the... And this, this is very all the MacGuffin stuff, isn't it? Of kind of like they want to take the information that controls after, put it in the suit, transport that into the future, yeah. then it'll be all right. And like, you know, it's one of those things where... You know, I think it's a bit convoluted for mm. me, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there also there are there are like mile wide holes in the floor. Yeah. Like they have the mycelial spore drive. Like they could just, for example, fuck off to the gamma quadrant and hide it somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And and control would never find them. It would take like however many years to get there. Like there's like they can go anywhere with the spore drive, which they might add they uh, conveniently stop using. And they use that device later on when they're, oh, yeah, well, we're going to need to use the spore drive to power up the time crystal, which is why we can't use the spore drive to escape. Fine, but you could have used it beforehand to get, like, a <laughs> hundred light years away, and then you'd have had months to do this. But anyway. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good, I thought this was a good episode in terms of, it was just exciting. Yeah, it's no, a really tense kind of climax to it with uh, Michael being put out in the atmosphere mm. and Spock like... It seemed a bit harsh, Spock? wasn't it? Like, there's putting someone in danger and there's having someone be almost like irradiated <laughs> and burned alive. Yeah, it's yeah, it was hardcore, cool, wasn't she'll it? She'll be fine, she'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I think Discovery kind of covers a lot of these kind of plot holes and stuff with these really thrilling, intense mm. sequences which feel... Like something that maybe we haven't got as much on Star Trek before in terms of like scenes with this level of kind of velocity, yeah. I would say. Kind of like, you know, simply because uh, I think it's just a different era of TV. Mm -hmm. It's faster and kind of, you know, it's just more intense yeah. to it. This episode as well, directed by Hanel Culpepper, who's going on to the Picard. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she's quite instrumental in Picard isn't yeah. she yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, like yeah. we won the showrunners or something and um but yeah no really really good uh Tyler got stabbed in this seemed to recover very very easily <laughs> like when he got he got stabbed in a way that I was like he's dead like in terms of because he gets stabbed and like he pulls out there's loads of blood and from that and the way he kind of gives the final message warning to him going oh it's Leland he's bad and he like, collapses I was like oh is he has he just been killed off but I swear, do we even see him get like patched up? I'm like, like, literally, I swear he was just in the next episode. He was just like, "Hey guys, oh, like, uh, yeah, I'm absolutely fine." Like, uh, it reminded me of um, when Iron Man gets stabbed in Infinity War, and literally, there's a shot like later where he's he's doing something with his hand where he's lasering, kind of like, and you you think, I guess he's kind of lasering the wound somehow <laughs> and that saves his life i don't know yeah, like, uh, yeah. doing all this yeah, it's, yeah it's fine yeah, yeah it's fine um right this is where we move on to episode 12 and i've run out of notes so i want to look at your plot description <laughs> and see what this episode was about to remind myself this is boreth they go to boreth home of the time crystals uh, yeah, through the Valley uh, which of is the a, Shadows. Which is a planet we've seen before, incidentally. This does appear in Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, okay. Uh, Worf goes here. It's not about time crystals, but he does go to Boreth at one point. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is where he sees the kind of flash-forwards yes. of him he paralyzed sees, and he burned. He sees him, burns. Uh, we meet uh, Lorel and Voke's son, all grown up. 
they take a very casual they have a very casual relationship with temporal causality in mm. this uh, in this particular monastery um but yeah like, i i found it an interesting episode uh, i like playing with time travel something star trek's done an awful lot uh, but I quite like this. I don't buy the, if you take the crystal, that future is now locked. Is it though? What? <laughs> That's nonsense. But sure, why not? Is there any canon stuff for time crystals? Time crystals were introduced in Discovery, as I recall. Right. So it do, they were seeded in an earlier episode. Isn't, it, isn't that what uh, Mud is using um, when he does the... Uh, you know, the, do the Groundhog Day thing. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe, so I think yeah. they were introduced in Discovery as a concept, but to the best of my knowledge, they've mm. not appeared before then. I could be misremembering, but I don't think they have. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought this was a great episode for Pike, um, just because, yeah, as we discussed earlier, it's just really interesting character development for him to find out that he's already aware of that future before he gets there. That adds an entire mm-hmm. another element to his character that we weren't aware of before, and just feels much more like he's the captain of his own fate. Um, it's a nice way of going. We're kind of locked in with where characters end up, but we can still find a way to make it affect the character story that we're telling. We can yeah. use advantage a bit and be like, right, well, you know, we, we know he's going here, so how's that interesting? We can have it be a choice. I think anytime you can make any characters make a choice for something, instantly makes them more interesting and mm. relatable. So to be able to do that with something that's already like a full stop somewhere. It's quite a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and we also, uh, this is where Section 31 catch up with them, isn't it? And because at this point, they're actually fugitives from justice mm. because essentially uh, Michael and Spock have broken the Starfleet regulations or whatever and they've gone after them. Although it's all kind of bollocks, isn't it? Because Yeah, also, it's like, oh yeah, sorry, we can't get in touch with Starfleet because they've dampened our subspace. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> like, it's just like, really? You can happily talk ship to ship, but you can't communicate via subspace? Yeah, all right, whatever. Well, that's like, the thing. because I get all... it, convenience, but still. Yeah, because it's all kind of, essentially, they're only fugitives because control is in control of Leland yeah, and everything yeah. like that. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's not real mm. going like, you know, but um, at the end of this, they go, we're going to destroy the ship. Um, and again, it's very much a thing of them all being family going, we will all join together. We'll all be fugitives. We'll all destroy the ship. It's going to be great. And we lead into <laughs> such sweet sorrow, the yeah. two part finale. Um, and what happens in the first episode? Well, we there? get Poe. Poe comes back. Oh, sure. yeah, the the Queen That's from right. Runaway. Yeah. Yeah, He's yeah. loads of fun, and actually I really hoped was going to follow them into the future and become a regular member of the cast, and she isn't, which oh, is a shame. Okay, interesting. Um, but that would have been a nice touch. Um, yeah, I mean, I was glad they brought her back just because otherwise I think Runaway would have felt like the most superfluous yeah. of those kind of also, short Also, it tracks. gives Tilly a little bit more of an opportunity to shine. Like, her mm. relationship yeah. with Poe is loads of fun. I yeah. know the Queen, you know. That's, that's yeah, no, yeah, it feels really yeah. real, doesn't it? Like, way out there. Super so it's their plan, isn't it, to... Uh... Oh, this is the whole thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Cool, we can't destroy it, so we'll send it into the future. They <laughs> okay. try and destroy Burnham's going to do a suicide mission, basically, isn't she? And that again, they all turn around and go, no, if you're doing it, we're all in it together. And they kind of split between the two ships. So the Discovery crew on that and the Enterprise go back to their crew. And yeah, this is where we get kind of the uh, the original Enterprise set and everything like that. Yeah. I, I've got to say, I, I really liked it in terms of, because for me, the Enterprise set on it, I didn't think it did look shit. I thought it looked 
gorgeous, um, but it looked like very retro yeah. kind of thing. But it was, but you know, it wasn't like using, it wasn't like the Star Trek Abrams, Continues uh, fan film one. where it's oh, like yeah, yeah. they're using exactly the same materials. It's all got to be exactly the same. It was going, we're reimagining this. So it looks like in it. In modern filmmaking, but how y- would this yes, be done? Yes, yeah, it looks sh- a shinier version kind of thing. Like, you know, I, I did like it. I do... I do agree that it's one of those things where it's it, it's always going to be slightly weird yeah. that because of the fact that Discovery is obviously made to reflect modern television kind of thing, that if they go back to an older ship and they want to keep it within that kind of context, they're going to have to make it look really different. But I thought the way it was lensed, the way like kind of, you know, they just they just spruced it up enough. A nice spring clean to kind of make it work within that continuity for me, at least. Um, and we, we get the return of number one as well. We yeah, say yes. it was, let's be honest, barely featured in yep. the series. Yeah, it's a big deal that Rebecca Lane was going to be in this role. Mm. And she's I think, hardly in I it. think that's what made me think that Pike and the Enterprise lot are going to have more of a deal yeah. because they cast her as number one. So when it was a case of at the start of the series, oh, Pike's coming on Discovery and they're leaving Enterprise behind, that was a surprise mm. to me just based on. Mm. The fact that they bothered to cast some of the Enterprise crew. Well, yeah, it's almost like, what has the Enterprise been doing all this time mm-hmm. while he's been on the ship? Because it would it make was sense. Horribly, it was damaged, wasn't it? It was damaged when they yeah. found it. So presumably yeah, had yeah. some kind of you know repair work. Yeah, I guess so. It's got Paradise like planet. It's yeah, well, Vacation you, time. it's just the fact that they just turned back up. Mm. And we're like, oh yeah, 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 we're we're here, it's fine. Like, and I was like, right, okay, so what? I, I guess the old repairs just finished, right? Here we go, <laughs> uh, we're coming back. Um, but yeah, I do agree that she was underused. I do think it's a shame because if we look back at the cage, um, let's face it, the fact that they were having number one as a woman was amazing for the time. But in that original pilot, Pike. Is such a sexist dick towards her, or ever is like. Bear in mind, this is Major Barrett. It's Gene Roddenberry's wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Going like, you know, so like, I'm still getting used to having a woman on the bridge. Really? Like, that's why, <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, and it, you kind of felt like this was a really amazing opportunity to redress that balance mm. and really give her an opportunity to shine. And much as I thought she made the most of what she got, I thought she came across as really cool and assured in that role um, at the same time kind of thing like it would have been nice to mm. see her do more it's especially cool. as we're probably not going to see them again it would have been cool if she came with Pike onto this adventure but I guess they then thought oh we need a number one to yeah, yeah. especially there's so, no oh, Spock even no. so yeah, guess yeah, we yeah, gotta yeah. keep her there yeah no, 100% That's a shame. Um, but basically part one is the big setup, isn't it yeah. for uh, part two which is all out space battle mm. um, when now, again, this is something you're going to have to answer for me, James. At a certain point, they go, well, you've got this many ships and we've got this many ships. And then he goes, oh, no, actually, we've got this many ships. And suddenly they all come out. I was like, isn't it just the Discovery, the Enterprise and the Section 31 ship? But then it seemed to be they were talking about the amount of ships 
they've got on board their ships, weren't well, they? They've, they've released all those loads and loads of sort of little shuttlecraft. Right, they okay. They, they basically, even though shuttlecrafts are historically a bit shit, they start using <laughs> them like X-Wings in this, and they yes, turn it into yes. a very different type of Star Trek battle. Now, I didn't love this battle oh, at all. Okay. Um, I thought it was pretty poor. Uh, I think partly because it was confusing and it was visually complex to the point where you just didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think Star Trek, I think you can do a couple of things with this. If you if you're going to do dogfighting and you want to go the full World War II slash Star Wars route, you can do that, but you've got to pick an X-Wing and follow it. Do you know what I mean? You've got to follow the fighters, and it didn't do that. It just showed seething mass of stuff going around. Yeah, Poe was in a shuttle, but we didn't get to see her do all that much stuff. I loved it when the Klingons turn up. I like it when the Kelpians turn up in the bold ships as well. That's cool, especially when you see the big Klingon, is it D7, the big cruisers, mm-hmm. uh, which we haven't properly seen before. We've seen pictures. That's nice. I like that we get proper Klingon moments. We get the, it is a good day to die. And some <laughs> yeah. Real Klingon <laughs> threats coming through. I, that, I really enjoyed that as well. But the actual battle is a bit of confused mess. Like so, Star Trek battles work on a number of battles in a number of ways. Like so, Wrath of Khan is very naval. You know, it's like yes. submarine combat. Like they can't see each other. It's a sudden, brief engagements, and then and then it's oh, where have they gone? You know, it's 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 an interesting one like that. Or you get the big naval capital ships exchanging phaser fire stuff which next gen used to do a lot and then what they did in ds9 they introduced the defiant which was a smaller more agile ship they didn't shoot beam phaser had like type 4 phasers shot them in little blasts of like machine gun fire and so that would weave in and out of ships so i think star trek space battles peaked with the dominion war when you saw the little gem hadar fighters you haven't seen this but when you see the gem hadar <laughs> fighters battling the defiant you know that's Right. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. properly good. And a lot of that, you know, you see see a bit of that in, in First Contact, where it's very frantic. Big capital ships, but mm. they're soaring in and out, attack pattern, delta, spreads of this, quantum torpedoes here and there. Um, you know, there's loads of fun. Whereas this was a bit of a mess. Mm. You know, I was not particularly engaged with the with the big battle. And again, like the section thirty one ships, they were just weird shards of metal. And it's like, oh, they've got weird shields, you have to have them both sides at once. Okay. Fine. I still don't care. <laughs> you know, I, to me, this was a missed opportunity. Like, I love a great Star Trek space battle. Mm. This wasn't one, um, but still a great episode. Yeah. But I would. This is the one thing I would have changed. I'd have rethought that space battle to have made it more, you know, visually appealing. I don't. You know, if you're gonna, like I say, if you're gonna have lots of little ships, let's let's do a, a Rogue One. You know, let's go down with the X wings. Let's see them weaving in and out of the superstructure of the capital ships. You know, let's see what's going on. Let's not, you know, give them just... mini goals to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely like, that. Yeah, absolutely yeah. that. Mini yeah, objectives yeah. for them to, you know, actually get engaged with it. It was like the the most epic shots were essentially just establishing shots, weren't yes. they? It was when you could yeah, see it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And it was all going on. There was everywhere. Yeah, it's like, yeah, whoa, yeah. but then but you realise like, I'm not in it. I don't really know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So it, yeah, it was all yeah. big wide shots where it was, it was just of, like, they're just shooting each other and that's it. It was almost like a smokescreen background to what was going on on the two ships. Because that's kind of where the story carried on with. So that no one we knew was even in the battle really, apart from Poe and um, Saru's sister eventually, isn't it? She turns up. Yeah, Saru's sister turns up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the most that you see of them in close-ups in their ships is when they're kind of leaving. And it's like, Mm, mm. bye-bye. And there was a lot of stuff in the Enterprise as well, wasn't there? And um... We did have the missile... Inside. Yeah, so yeah, so Cornwell, Admiral Cornwell dies. Yeah, uh, again in a point where you're like, okay, so you just had to pull a lever. Have you heard of transporters? Could you not have done something with a force field or something? Yeah, it felt it felt like okay, kill that character. That felt felt like not maybe the best way 
to do it. It seemed a bit like, okay, so you're saying there's a photon torpedo wedged in the saucer section, but if you close this door, it will be fine. This door with a window on it, everything will be fine. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I do appreciate what you're saying there in regards um, to her. I mean, I think that uh, it's Jane Brooke, isn't it, who plays that character? Um, yes. And I think she's been really, really strong mm, as as the Admiral, like throughout, and kind of like she has some really nice moments this season. And I, I think it was nice for her to get a big heroic death. But I agree with you in the sense of I was questioning that myself in terms of like, oh, is that like, does she have to die? Yeah. Like, it's just like <laughs> I felt like there might have been a a better way of doing it yes. than that. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And plus, does she get a funeral? <laughs> no. <laughs> Does, also, if does someone's got close it, she's a fucking admiral. Surely there's an ensign who could have been saying, all right, come on, the work experience red shirt, come on, pull the lever. But yeah, no, uh, the, as you say, the kind of things that we're really concentrating on are the big fight between uh, Giorgio and, yeah, Leland. Um, and Leland mm. and... And Nan's involved in yeah, that as is. well. And it's a great, it's a great three-way fight. Yeah. There's some smack talk in there, which you don't get a lot of in Star Trek, so that was loads <laughs> of fun. And I think the Empress delivers that brilliantly because she's such a bitch yeah. and she's brilliant. She is so cool. Her, her delivery, like every you can just tell that Yoru's relishing playing that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she really rolls that dialogue out. And yeah, it was just great to see her get to take Leland down because even though he was clearly as controlled by control, like her kind of fighting superior, like he was basically unbeatable kind of thing. Like, you know, it felt like physically she just kept on fucking coming, even though she was getting absolutely bad. And like, <laughs> and the fact that she got to kill him, I really liked that it was a, yeah. that she got that victory and she really kind of enjoyed yeah. killing him as well. And playing with gravity hurt. in those yeah. fight scenes is always the way yeah, to go. If, if you can have a fight scene on the spaceship, yeah. Turn off the gravity. Fight on the scene. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they do it in season one as well, don't they? With uh, in the elevator fight mm. with Michael and uh, that guy she has oh, yeah, to kill. Oh yeah, they go straight she, up on the yeah, where she turns yeah, yeah. up the mirror uh, universe. That was great as well. Yeah, so it's really, really cool. And meanwhile, uh, we get Spock and Michael working together as well. Um, and I, so yeah. she goes back and closes the time loop, essentially, isn't it? Of yeah, she sets setting the all signals. the signals. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I must admit, at the end, I was slightly questioning, do they have to go into the future now? Because they kind of kill control and get rid of them before they go. So I was like, yeah. why do they have to go? Yeah. He's dead, right? But then I suppose, like, is he dead? Is he perfect? Yeah, well, is he dead? Well, he got to go. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... But, yeah, whatever. No but choice. I was, I was happy to go. <laughs> I, I, I like that they went, and I also thought it was a genius stroke to not follow them into the future and instead stick with Pike. Yeah, and I agree. And you stick with the debriefing. Uh, you see, you know, old old Tyler gets a promotion. He's in charge of Section Thirty One. Mm. You know, and and the discussion with Spock, which is a massive sop to the fanboys, like stop fucking moaning. Yes, we will <laughs> never speak of this ship on pain of treason. <laughs> and you're like, so, dear continuity anal retentives, this is how we get around all of it. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, it's all fine now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I did think it was really clever in terms of the way they did that because I think we believe 
that Spock is the kind of character because he's the only one we really need to worry about in terms of that yeah. because he's the one we've seen loads mm. after. He is the kind of character who would be like, yeah, okay, I'll never speak I will never speak That's fine. And, <laughs> no. like, yeah, and you'd never get through to him going, like, yeah. to be able to reveal it. So it, it worked. And I agree, it was really interesting to see them go and then literally the last act of the episode completely concentrate mm. on the Enterprise crew and leave it with them to the point where I was left questioning kind of where they're going to go season three. You almost were like, they're almost setting up as a, are we going to go with Discovery? Or are we going to go with Enterprise? Like, are we going to show more of Pike and Spot's adventures together? Or is this literally just us waving goodbye Yeah, not to that showing crew? where they end up until season three. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really, really interesting. I agree, because... Beautiful shot as well of Discovery going up into the thing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, 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 watching. yeah. Plus really smart because that could have acted as a series finale mm. very very well like if they wanted to go this is the end and you know obviously they're not going to do that but if they wanted to do that you could easily go yeah that was it two seasons that's the whole story like yeah, yeah that's literally enough. taken out of the timeline yeah yeah, yeah 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 that would work perfectly so but you'd always wonder you would you'd always, always wonder, wonder. Uh, i'm disappointed that tyler isn't on the ship i will miss him enormously I'm confused that the Empress is on the ship because she's getting yes. around serious and don't see how that works. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm 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 very much looking forward to season three to seeing how this plays out and very much like what you were saying. What state is the galaxy in? You know what's going on? You know. Yeah. I don't know. And, I, I agree. Oh, sorry, go on, mate. Well, I was just going to say, and yet again, Spotlight HQ predicting because I think it was our discussion of the pilot, wasn't it? Where we were saying it would be interesting if they went into the future of the game. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. When yeah. we first saw the pilot. Thing. Yeah, we, we, say, we, we, we were talking about the fact that it was a weird decision to, to do another prequel in terms of, we were like, why not go into the future? Like, you know, why not go beyond what we've seen? Yeah. So when it became apparent that's what they're doing, I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, 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 I think, you know, to me, it was that thing of, Almost, you kind of feel like the first two seasons, maybe they were always going to do that, and the first two seasons were kind of establishing it within fan lore so that no one could just go, like, you know, oh, that doesn't count because that's all off in the future yeah. and everything like that. Like, uh, But I I think Tyler in Section 31 spin-off, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I would um, think so. Well, you'd think he must be. Yeah, you, you'd think so, and presumably somehow... Yeah, because I do agree that it is weird that she's kind of gone off yeah. with them. Because the thing is, if she comes back, then you kind of go, well, surely they can come back. Yeah. And mm. then, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Is but... there any way that she wasn't on Discovery at the moment they went off? Are they going to retcon that? Part? Maybe. The or they, or, or, they, or her and uh, Tyler swap places somehow. <laughs> Like, literally, <laughs> somehow that just swaps going. So he goes on Season Discovery. 3 starts with the Enterprise transporter room beaming up and she's just on there. It's like... Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I, I chickened out last second. But, yeah, <laughs> I am looking forward to Season 3 as well just because I think the possibilities of where they can go with it are really exciting. Um, and, I mean, it is just a really exciting time in terms of the world of Star Trek right now. I mean, this is, is the biggest possible purple patch ever, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it's incredibly cynical because uh, CBS need a reason for people to continue to subscribe to mm. All Access. They're now competing with the Apple service with Disney Plus. So, and the only cash cow they really have is, is you know, this for for certain people. So, um, you know, I see why they're doing it. But fuck me, I 
Picard alone is is reason enough. For oh me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is just incredible. God, I hope we just get all these on Netflix like we do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What so I presume. So. so yeah, I mean, it basically Star Trek has kind of found a home on it? UK Netflix, hasn't it? So mm. you, you've got to assume it's going to come. Mm. Uh, so they, they are never ever going to fucking launch CBS All Access in the UK. I suspect you're right. Yeah, like because CBS isn't a brand here. No. no one would know what it was so it doesn't react it, like a lot of these things Disney Plus when that comes on it, it surprises me that they haven't actually just gone oh this is a worldwide launch because I was like you don't need a beta test in the US guys like everyone is going to buy your shit like worldwide kind of thing it weirds me out the prospect of them having to find someone to home their shows in the UK. I'm just like, just launch it over here. Um, but I think we're safe with having kind of Star Trek on UK Netflix, certainly, uh, for now. And I am looking forward to cover all the stuff that's going to come, like, you know, Section 31, Picard, Discovery, Tarantino, Star <laughs> Trek film, which he has just said, like, is still potentially happening. Um, fucking two animated series? Oh god, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not watching those. It's yeah, Nickelodeon yeah. doing it. Yeah. Well, but uh, but I'm confused. In terms, of, there was the one done by the Rick and Morty guy, which is the lower decks thing, mm. and then the Nickelodeon one is a different one, or is it the same one? I think that might be the same one. Oh, sure. okay, okay. Because that's what really confused me. I was like, because you presume the lower decks one is going to be a more adulty kind of CBS for the CBS like Rick and Morty style kind of and then the Nickelodeon one I presume is like modern Star Trek animated series like but it's it's just insane it's, it's, it's too much we chose the right time to make a Star Trek podcast basically <laughs> it says a lot doesn't it that there's so much new TV coming and yet they can't get a film off the ground in terms of where we're yeah, at yeah because you know. are we ever going to see a fourth film for like Pine it and all that lot. doesn't seem very likely that's no it. no um, but I feel also a lot of, at this point they are focusing now on like the TV was on hold while they were focusing on the films I think now they're focusing on the TV stuff mm, yeah um, so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't hold you, which is a shame which yeah a shame. I think it's a shame yeah. I'd very much like to have seen the next one but, um, but like you say I wouldn't hold your breath because now it's you know in Discovery I think at one point became kind of one of the biggest TV shows in the world kind of thing in terms of like viewers. So it, it completely makes sense. But um, yeah, so overall, season two, we're fans, but you said, James, you didn't think it was good. Yeah, I really one. like it. I prefer season one. Okay. Uh, but uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I was very, I very much enjoyed it. But I, I prefer season one pretty much consistently all the way through. There was no point during the mm -hmm. season where I thought this is going to be better than the first one. Like, I was all like, mm. from episode one, I was like, good, not as good. And the next good not as good all the way through um i think it's a it's a weird except one, for just, except oh. for the season one episode where they fuck off down to that planet with a big antenna which is one where a number of people i've spoken to stop watching discovery at that point oh really it's the only season one episode that feels like an old school random <laughs> yeah. slightly yeah, shitty yeah, 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 yeah. episode and a lot of people are like no 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 no, no. no it's like alien like wi-fi no thank you <laughs> see i liked that episode just because it showed how much of a physical threat Saru can actually be. And so up until that mm. point, you had no idea because he was so fearful. And yeah. then suddenly you were like, oh shit, he's really fucking strong. He can run really fast. And for me, it was like, if he ever, as soon as he lost the kind of fear in this, I was like, 
oh, he's potentially really dangerous now because we know that actually he's really powerful. Like when he was on that scene um, on the bridge with Pike and he was arguing with Pike, mm. Pike looked genuinely potentially scared because I think he knew what he was actually physically capable of, like that he could lose his fucking shit and like <laughs> swat him across the fucking deck or something like that. And I found that like really interesting. But um, yeah, I think... It's a weird one in terms of I think I prefer season two overall just because I think it's maybe maybe it flows slightly better just because season one, like I say, seems to be divided into these like mini arcs. And I just thought was a kind of a bit weird in its plotting, but I still really liked it. I like both seasons a lot. What about you, bros? Yeah, I'm the same. I think I prefer season two just by just by a hair. I think having the momentum coming off of one and all the groundwork it did. Yeah really helped. I mean, not that season one didn't hit the ground running, obviously, but I mean, this could take that lead. Uh, the Pike edition I really, really liked. And I think as a as a contained season, like for, for many characters, for many plot lines, it kind of had the one overarching yep. uh, series idea. It, it did and it didn't. It did, but only in retrospect. Yes. Like, mm. you can say, oh, out, it's all connected, it? but it isn't until you get to the halfway point and you realise it is. Yeah. Because it's the threads are very faint and very loose early on, and actually they might as well not be there. Yeah. yeah. So, sure. I, I, so, is it complete? No, it's not. But I know what you mean. Yeah. But equally, like, it has lots of good, in, it has lots of interesting moments, but Control, let's be honest, isn't particularly groundbreaking or exciting. The time travel thing, oh, it's a nice touch, but there's nothing... There's no oh shit moment like the Mirror Universe spore jump, which yeah. was a proper yeah. what the actual fuck. And the fact that Lorca isn't Lorca was yeah. a what I mean, the that, actual that, that fuck. Twist, <laughs> it, I mean, but that twist, I would say, genuinely is one of the best twists in modern TV. Like, in terms of like, you know, no one saw that fucking coming. Like, you know, I mean, it was when it happened, it was absolutely mm-hmm. insane. <laughs> and it, it just felt. Such a bit, like I say, I still think it was a mistake and a shame to not utilize Mirror Lorca for more than one episode. Yeah. Like I really feel they could have done some great stuff, and I still hope they bring Isaacs back. I still hope they bring I, him back. I, I think it's that's a stretch. I mean, you not ahead. only now not only is he canonic, well, theoretically dead in this reality. We all know he'd also be a thousand and something years old. So when he got vaporized, that was a time travel portal yeah. in two thousand years yeah. in the future. Yeah. There we go. Stretch. Or Prime Lorca. We never found out what happened to him. He somehow turns up. He's going to be transported <laughs> to the future. There we go. There we go. That's how we got. But what I would say is, I think season two had a levity to it. The, the first season. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a darkness to the first one which didn't carry over. I enjoyed that darkness. Mm. Uh, but yes, there is more levity, certainly. Uh, yeah. It's a lot fluffier and I think probably more accessible. Yeah. I think we're definitely still... There's still room for the defining villain. Like you say, with Control being mm. a bit of a mm. non-entity, like quite literally at times, there's still time for Discovery's classic villain to turn up in the way that... Yes, the what does the future and, hold? Mm. Yeah, mm. it might have to be well, it will be a future... Future thing. Yeah. Who was the bloke who played Leland? Uh, you got him down on your list. Alan Van Sprang. I thought he was really good mm. in terms of like as giving a physical representation to that yeah. villain. I mm. thought, yeah, he nice he, subtle effects. As well. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a brighter, more fun cover overall season. I just think the addition of Pike and kind of giving I felt like it really contributed to kind of the overall Star Trek lore like really really well yeah tied some bows um, yeah this season put some things to bed opened up things wide open yeah brothers. so really good thumbs up um, from all of us <laughs> it sounds like 
Um, so that brings our uh, kind of review of season two to a close. Uh, if you've got your own thoughts about season two, feel free to get in touch. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Spotlight Pod. Uh, you can also send us an email at spotlightpod at gmail.com. Um, James, where can we find you online uh, if you, you want to hear me more? on Twitter at James C. Dyer and on the Pilot TV podcast every Monday and more often than not on the Empire podcast every Friday. <laughs> Excellent. Definitely, yeah, definitely listening to those. Uh, Pilot TV podcast, I think, has been a real kind of like boon to the podcast in terms of having a podcast that actually tries to pick out all the kind of the good cinematic TV that's about mm-hmm. just because there is too much TV now. There like, really is too much content. <laughs> like, I mean, literally, I've had to come to terms with the fact. <laughs> You'll never that now, it Yeah, because, like, we grew up in that time of when the golden age of TV mm. first started. Sopranos, Oz, Six Feet Under, stuff like that. When there were great shows, but they were on one at a time. Yeah, you went, like, <laughs> oh, this is the next great show. Now I, will I watch shall all watch of this now. And watch a DVD box set. <laughs> like, yeah. Now it's, it, yeah, you, it's never going to happen. Like, yeah, there are so many shows that I'm like, it sounds fucking great. I'm blatantly never going to get around to it. Um, especially, uh, the thing is, James, I share the same thing as you, where I will go back and re-watch shows that I love yeah. rather than watching the new well, shit. And this is true. And I think I think it's actually a real shame that so much new TV is coming out because I have never, you know, taken the time to re-watch the whole of Buffy, for example. I think yeah, there are so just many done things. it. Just Deep done Space it Nine, again. I've never re-watched. It's the best Trek. I have never revisited it. Uh, Next Generation, I have seen... I've never seen the last three seasons. I've only ever seen once. You know, Voyager, I've watched through twice and stuff. But but so many things I want to revisit. So I am making a conscious effort now to fit in <laughs> re-watches amongst all my first watches. It's a good job I don't have a social life, really. I think that helps. <laughs> oh, there's no time for that anymore. Yeah. Quick question that I intend to start asking to anyone who's a hardcore track nerd who comes on. Mm. Should they have killed Tuvix or not? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Tuvix can fuck off. <laughs> oh, no. that I do not enjoy that episode at all. Okay. Let's, I mean, let, I'm going to be absolutely open about this. Neelix was a hateful character. <laughs> oh, I, and I love Tuvok, but I hate Neelix. So, like, for me, like, that... He ruined Tuvok for that one episode. I'm like, get rid of him. Get rid of that little rat thing. Kill him now. So you were like, kill Tuvix and kill yeah. Neelix Kill Tuvix. Well. Kill Neelix and just have Tuvok. I was absolutely there. Fucking hell, right. Like, well, what did Kez see in him? Honestly. <laughs> do you, have you heard about this DS9 documentary that's coming out? Yes, yes, indeed. It's yeah. what we do you think, if, when you watch that, do you think it's going to give you impetus oh, to be like, because you know they've HD'd some of DS9 for it. Well, yeah, that. because this is the whole thing, isn't it? They spent so much money remastering mm. and uh, and HDing uh, Next Generation, and then no one bought it. And so they didn't <laughs> want to spend the money on DS9. And I was gutted because that's what I really want. I want an HD DS9. Yeah. I'm clearly, never going to get it. This is the thing. We actually we interviewed Roger Lay Jr., mm. who is like basically one of the head honchos behind the DVDs and stuff like that, and was completely involved in the TNG Blu rays and the Enterprise yeah. Blu rays. And he was talking about he desperately does want to do the Blu-rays of yeah. DS9, but he said it is like he's sounds like he's pushing for it constantly. But like you say, Ooh. it costs a lot of money. Really, like in the nice way, like next gen is probably the one that would have sold the most anyway, mm. and it's just it's not gonna, it's not gonna. It's a shame, gonna isn't it? But these Nine is like I, that's like if I could 
pick a time to pick up anywhere and anywhere and it will be pick up after the end of ds9 because so much is left unresolved at that mm. point and there's so much there that we never kind of go back to that's what i want to know because okay. Cisco, frankly, he's been with the wormhole aliens. Perhaps he's been with the wormhole aliens because they experience time in a singular moment. They don't experience linear time. So he could pop out at any time, say, I don't know, a thousand years in the future. Maybe. Oh, you know, oh, maybe. I think uh, you can't get Avery books back on set Cisco, now. And he's got he, a wormhole. He demands to bring his piano yes. with him. And Cisco's going to be the new captain. I've if it was all out. recasting Cisco, if it had to be. He's not recast <laughs> Benjamin fucking Never just say that. Like I say, you just bring Brooks on. Just yeah. say, look, don't worry. You can bring your piano with you. We'll have a sing song. Well, bring there. it back. <laughs> Anyway, um, it's been a pleasure to have you on, James. Um, thank you so much for coming and feel free to come back and geek out about Trek anytime. We will not shout you down here. Uh, until next time, that's Spotlight Out. What are you yearn for? What do you want? You look at me and wonder. Is he? You look at me and think no.